When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Glamorous Trash, the podcast where we make treasure out of pop culture garbage. We used to be called Celebrity Book Club. We were called that for three years, but then a month ago we rebranded. We did a... I was going to say hot girl makeover, but I don't know. We did a makeover and we did change and we're a new woman now. We're Glamorous Trash. On this podcast, we recap celebrity memoirs. We pontificate about pop culture. And sometimes if it's a real doozy, we have been known to cry. If you have ever referenced Mariah Carey in therapy, then this is probably the podcast for you. I'm your host, Chelsea Devantes. I'm a writer, comedian, and filmmaker. And sometimes I'm in stuff too. Today is such a special episode It's the Britney Spears episode, so I'm going to get right to it. I'm going to bring in our incredible guest, my friend for, I want to say, 15 years. Oh, that's crazy. I know. It's Rob Anderson. You know him from Instagram and TikTok. His recaps are so funny, and he has a book coming out in April called Gay Science, based off his very popular series, Gay Science. Has it been 15 years that we've known each other? I mean, like 2010. So yeah. it's getting there. 13. Oh my, oh my God. Lucky Taylor Lucky, number. Yes. Um, so we're recapping Britney Spears's memoir and discussing. It's going to be a heavy, a heavy discussion. The, these are my notes. Um, <laughs> it is such a big deal to be doing this episode because like Rob said, she speaks. This is the first time. So we're here in person. We're recording in person. There's a video recording on Patreon. You don't even have to be a paying member. You can see see the videos. And we're here in the room with our producer, Kate, and Jordan, and Jaren, which we've never done before. And my needy quarantine dog is in the middle of us. You may hear his snores on the podcast. Oh, he's so cute. What a little sweetie. So there's a lot to get into. This was hot off the presses. We got some early copies um, and we're going to get into it. So let's begin. Uh, I'm calling the cops on you. (laughs) We're doing a welfare check. How dare? These are fake. (laughs) That was the sound of two knives clinking. I did bring knives to this recording. If for anyone who is not watching, that was what that was. And if you're wondering why I'm holding knives, then you haven't been watching Britney's Instagram because she's been knife dancing. Okay, and I'm in support, and I'm bringing those vibes to the recording. Don't worry. Like Brittany said, they're fake. Wink. Also, I'm like, how dare you guys get mad at her for dancing with knives? Like, maybe she's threatening her dad. Maybe she's threatening, like, yes, bitch, do what you want. I think we see her and what she does on Instagram for what's happening, but I think a lot of other people don't. And in this book, you see her explaining these things. I love that she explains what happened. Okay, so... There's a lot to get into, but one quick last thing, you guys. You might want to see this video because Rob and I, 
when I said, do you want to be the Britney guest? What was the first thing you said to me? We need to dress up as Britney. Yeah. <laughs> we need to be wearing iconic Britney clothes. As we record, just to sort of like channel. And as you mentioned, when you came, you're like, she mentioned both our outfits in the book. She did. We both chose correctly. That's how I take it. So will you, will you do your little outfit of the day for me? Like, what are you wearing? I am wearing the jumpsuit that Brittany wears at the beginning of her Super Bowl Pepsi commercial, mm -hmm. uh, which is one of the greatest, not just Super Bowl commercials, but like one of the greatest commercials of all time. Yeah. Full on bop track that should be on Spotify. <laughs> um, but I am wearing her before she takes it off. And I have the hat and the jumpsuit and it's blue. I love it. I am in a full denim gown and you know what is weird not hard to find it was I said how many I was like I want to do the full denim look obviously and um yeah I got it instantly in a second it was not I, there was multiple options I loved it the gown has a train I'll put it on my socials I feel like people need to see it they need to know the fit is amazing the fit's like, good it's a good I, you're fit you're walking I'm like that is a great fit on that yeah it's I mean she started a, a vibe and people are still putting this dress out I also have on a big chunky necklace as she wore mine is the Joan Rivers QVC collection um no big deal and um um, my mom got me this necklace a long time ago and, and I love it. And I also have on a denim fedora. Now this technically she was not wearing Justin was wearing, but I feel like he shouldn't get to have it and it should be part of like Britney culture now. She should be taking everything he owns actually. We should be running him over with something uh, soon, yeah. like a tractor, ATV. ATVs are a big thing in this family. Like let's <laughs> take him out with that. So first question for you, what was your overall, like you, read the book we listened to the book what did you think I was excited to hear these things that she's kept in for a while yeah and I thought she was really funny like mm -hmm. hearing what she had to say and her personality and just almost when she would hate on things was the funniest parts of it like especially her sister uh and I <laughs> like I'm just like damn girl go in uh but the also her empathy yeah. I was, she's really empathetic because the people who have wronged her. She still was able to see like why they did it, even though she isn't really forgiving them for it. Oh yeah. Which, uh, that actually surprised me the most and how much she explained why the conservatorship was bad. And I just wanted to be like, no, we know, we know we get it. We knew it before you told us. And yet I'm so happy she took us through every step of like how horrible it was. I know people were nervous about this book's quality because of her Instagram captions. She has an amazing thing in the back of the book. So good where she says, if you follow me on Instagram, bet you thought this book was being written in emojis, didn't you? And then she puts her rose emojis. It's so, she's very self-aware. Very self-aware, very funny. And her book was co-authored by the author Sam Lansky, who is a novelist. I don't know if you're- No, familiar. I, no. He really didn't want his name out because obviously Britney fans will kill you if you get something wrong. And so he never wanted his name out and it got leaked. So in the back of the book, he's not thanked, but we do all know it's him. And I got to say, crushed it. Nailed it. Crushed it. Thematic, meta, like the foreshadowing. Yeah. The, so much foreshadowing. The scene painting, I feel like- really building out moments he did a great job it it gives you all the juice and yet this is a short ass book it's a short book do you think she's giving us another one um I don't know I I've learned especially after reading this book to not expect anything from Brittany yeah yeah you let know, her do like, let her do let her be if her she wants to great if she doesn't want to do it again great but I love that she did and yeah. I bet she's feeling great yeah I I think she, you know it's the number one um celebrity memoir the number one selling celebrity memoir in history on day one. 
I saw that she had posted that on Instagram, and I was trying to find some information as to, like, what that meant. And I don't know what that means. Numbers-wise? Like, because it's the first day, so... Does she mean the first day? No, no. She means like with all of the pre-orders and all of the people who bought it the first day, those numbers outweighed any memoir that's ever been bought in history by another celebrity. That is wild. And she deserves it and she better be getting every cent. So also Michelle Williams did the audiobook. In the prologue, Brittany read the prologue and she was like, I'm not going to read this book. It's too traumatic to go back. Yes, obviously. I can't even believe you could write it. I was like, this prologue is short. It's two paragraphs. So we've got Brittany for two paragraphs and then Michelle Williams takes over. Wow, she's got to win an award for this. I was a little disappointed that Brittany wasn't narrating it. And I, so my initial disappointment went away immediately when I heard what Michelle Williams was doing. She's bringing Oscar level audiobook. I was like, is this Brittany? She, she's doing the thing where it's like, it's an impression, but it's not a caricature. It's so grounded that you're like, oh, she channeled Brittany to read this. It was like watching a movie adaptation yes. and that just happened to be the audio of the person playing Brittany. And it's, it sounds like her at times without ever, without ever going too far. I, I mean, what do you think of the Justin Timberlake impression that she does? <laughs> um, perfect. Actually, let's play it in this episode. <laughs> uh, yes. Mandatory. What did you think of it? The f- Amazing. Yeah. I was about to do it and I was like, I don't have to do that. To Actually, myself. no, she did it. So let's go high level on the childhood. Yeah. So normally when a celebrity memoir starts and they're like, here's what my grandma did for a living. I'm like, why are you, how dare you do this to me? How dare you put us through this? This was the best, most necessary inclusion of grandma and grandpa information ever. It explained so much about Britney and a couple of things that Britney's really been made fun of for. So the first one being is that her mom's mom was British, Lily, and her British grandma, Lily, and it's why she always loves a British accent. And I was like, you know, they would make fun of her for like getting drunk and like putting on a British accent. And it's like, oh, she's channeling her grandma. These things that she's pulled out of her life and there's a reason for everything, it's a sign to me that she's been through therapy. Like she's had to- Well, un- mandated, court-mandated <laughs> court therapy. Court-mandated yeah. therapy. I think her real therapy was the one that wasn't court-mandated. That's right, yeah. Where they weren't giving her medication for and no I, reason. And I hope she finally got a therapist where she felt like, oh, I want this, I chose this person. You it know, feels This that could way. scare her off it. It does feel that way. Because th- those little bits about her family, I feel like that comes out of therapy. Yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't even know to connect those things in my own life. So it's really great that she did. I I loved it. And then her other grandparent story, heartbreaking. So her dad's dad, his name is June. Love a male June. and Well, we don't love this male June. No, no, no. Love the idea of that name. But wow, did he ruin it. He, this, I, I got chills and had to put the book down immediately. Her father, Jamie's dad, so her grandpa, June, put two of his wives in mental institutions. And little Jamie watched this happen and said, oh, when we don't like lady, we put her in mental institution, which is what he did to Brittany. It was sick. I mean, the first, his first wife, Jane. Oh my God. I have it down. She says, tragedy Jean. runs in my family and Jean, right? Cause it's Brittany Jean Spears. Yes, Jean. And when he put her in. Oh my God, she has the middle name. And he gave, and they forced lithium on her. Which is what Brittany is forced into. Yeah, it was actually so intense. It's so intense that he did this to two of the wives. That it shows that mental illness like runs in the family, which is like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's in my family too. You know, but like when it runs in your bloodline, like, you know, this is something that 
is to be dealt with and the way they dealt with it, they're just going to repeat over and over again, especially with Brittany, but especially with the lithium, it did make me think that there's like whatever gene was dealing with that. Like Brittany also has it because it can be hereditary. I feel like the mental illness is June. And I, yeah. I, I mean, reading what had happened to Brittany, she wasn't mentally ill. She just had a, a ridiculous life that no one can relate to. I think that was probably what happened to Jean. And he put her in there and she was totally normal. But the lithium just set her off. I actually disagree. And this is like conspiracy theory. Allegedly, I'm not trying to say any shade, but I really heard in this book and it's because I can relate to it myself. So it's not it's not like I'm judging her. Be, I have it myself. Um. She does, I think she really had extreme depression, possibly bipolar. And the way they treated it was to be psycho batshit crazy to her. And like, I just heard her so depressed in this book and the way they treated her then made it something quite bad. But yeah, I think she had depression and like her grandma who was put in the institution had, um, her child died. So it's like, and then she was probably too sad for his liking, you know, too depressed. Yep. So... Hearing about that put a lot into perspective and she gives her dad a lot of grace, which normally on this podcast, I love giving people grace. I don't like giving her dad grace. I know grace she for him. It's too much grace. It makes you like Brittany, but also you realize why she kept running into these people who were bad for her and just kept staying with them because she gives, she gives too much. She grace. gives too much. She said, and June was horrible to her dad, Jamie, and was really abusive to him. And so then she said, Oh, and this is why my dad turned abusive and why my dad became an alcoholic is because of his tragic childhood, which like, yes, I'm sure I'm absolutely sure that's true. However, <laughs> Jamie, you piece of dog shit. So she has a really uh, difficult childhood where Jamie is like always drunk, always leaving he runs the family into major debt and her mom, as I, have you read her mom's memoir? No, I'm curious. I'm curious about it, but I just don't want to support her family. You know, I would really suggest setting it on fire. If you have a chance, <laughs> that's kind of what I would do. We read it on this podcast. It, we're dropping the episode soon. We all, I also read it like years ago <sighs> and her mom is like, none of it was my fault. And so that's kind of the childhood she grows up with. And her mom, in fact, gives her alcohol as daiquiri. the daiquiris and white Russians and they would drive. I don't know if you noticed that. She was like, my mom and I would drink our little dackies. What she, she called them? Toddies. Toddies. We would drink our toddies and like drive to the beach. I'm like, but who was driving? And how old was she at this time? Like 10 or 11? She's like 11, 12. And also something that we, we go into on the, on the mom episode, uh, her mom, uh, drove into a child on a bike and killed them. That's just a true fact that truly happened. And also she wrote it in her book. So like the amount of car and driving crashes stuff that happens in this book. I'm like, we're not even including the moms. Is this just like small town stuff? Because I feel like if I were to do that, I'd be in prison. Like, yeah, for sure. It's like, oh, it's a small enough town. You can kill kids on bikes. Yeah, I think it was like, oh, the, they were biking in the road. So it's technically my fault. But what I heard was I know the cops and there's Absolutely. one of them in this town. And yeah, it's a... A wild, wild thing in this book that... I blame Lou Taylor for some reason. Yeah, I'll still blame Lou Taylor. Yeah, or not. you know, she did it. Um, If you don't know who Lou Taylor is, you're about to find out. Sorry, yes. Later in the book. However, there's one thing we have to talk about, which is one day Brittany talks about how she's drinking because her mom got her on it. And she also starts smoking. And one day she said, I was driving us home. And she's 14 years old. My mom wanted me to drive us home. And... 
I grew up in small towns. Like that is absolutely, yeah, I was driving at like 14 with no license. Like it's just a thing. However, her mom wanted her to drive her home. So I'm thinking her mom's drunk. Her mom's tipsy. She can't drive. She's having the 14 year old. Why, why else? She smells cigarettes on Brittany's fingers, rips her hand off the steering wheel, and Brittany crashes the whole car into a telephone pole. And I said, "This is those. That's the move of someone who is drunk, right?" Yeah, you, you, the mom. You mean the mom? Yeah, I let's just assume she, they they are drunk the whole time. Like mom and dad always drunk. Yeah, she's a little bit better of a drunk than he is. Th- that's exactly right. That's how I feel. I think she probably was. I think your instincts are right. And, and but just reading that story was like. But you crashed into a telephone pole, and then Brittany just was like, yeah, then I kept smoking. And that's also about Brittany that I learned from this book, is she's like, she's a rule breaker. She does not stick with the rules, and she is sweet and a good person, but she would smoke after school. She would sign, forge her mom's name on papers to get out of school early to date a boy. Like, she would have a boy over when they wasn't supposed to. She would leave the house late. Like, she was... Definitely breaking rules left and right. Yeah, and also her home, I, her home is so volatile and so abusive and so up and down. Yeah, she is a little rule breaker, but also she wants better in her life. Now, here's where things get tricky. Uh, in her, we're not going to trust anything. The mom, and I'm calling her the mom because the mom's name being Lynn and the dad's name being Jamie and the daughter being Jamie it's Lynn, it's going to fuck much. me up all day. Oh yeah, totally. So. Like, how do they even keep it straight? I I don't know. So I'm going to call it the mom. We don't trust anything she says, but she's like, Brittany always wanted to sing and dance and like, whoops, like she got famous. Obviously in Brittany's book, it's like, yeah, they're driving me eight hours to audition for Mickey Mouse. Like, I think they saw her as a little cash machine early on. Yes. She, they didn't love her. No. They, they lo- loved what she brought for them. Yes. Totally. And- they drive her to the Mickey Mouse Club auditions where they're looking for 10-year-olds. Brittany is eight. She lies and says she's nine. She's a little thinker. She's very smart. And this is how this one part is written. They narrowed the group of thousands from across the country down to a handful of kids, including a beautiful girl from California a few years older than me named Carrie Russell. The next sentence. A girl from Pennsylvania named Christina Aguilera and I were told, and I said, oops. There's our first little, like, and Christina does her wrong in this book. What did you think of the Christina Aguilera stuff? I loved it because (laughs) Brittany, like, she gives people the benefit of the doubt. And she explains her strengths in it. She's like, she's really good at working, like, the press, and she has great stage presence. But it is funny how she just shades her. Like, the Madonna kiss, we don't even know that Christina is a part of that VMA kiss because she doesn't even put her as a part of the story. She like, leaves her out of it entirely. Which is how we also viewed the kiss. Like, she wasn't in That's the picture. very true. Why was that? Do you think that was Britney's virginal thing and Xena was like, I'm, you know, doing the dirty albums and stuff, and so it's like, we didn't care that she kissed? Like, how did that happen? I think the public was just more obsessed with Britney Spears. Like, she just yeah. had a magnetism to her. And that was like, bam, you know, like that photo. I think that just carried. I do have to say 
if this book is not the inciting moment for Extina to give us her memoir, what will be? Like, give us the book, girl. I would definitely would read it. Would love a oh Christina book. Christina also had a very troubled childhood. It's crazy how they had the same lives. Like, the same lives. They auditioned initially for the Mickey Mouse Club. They both didn't make it because they were too, they young. Were too young. Then they auditioned again, and they made it. They went through that process, also were the same type of pop singer through their whole career. They both have wildly abusive, alcoholic, horrible fathers. It's just the mom in the picture for each of them. It's interesting that they're not closer, and it's almost like Britney was open to it, but it, it didn't work. It sounded like they probably were close because they share a dressing room at the Mickey Mouse Club, and then because of what happened now, we don't get any of those stories. I also have to just travel back in time to the era of the early aughts when these women ruled our headlines. The early aughts were made for other women to to hate each other. We were programmed over and over and over again of like, there can only be one of you. And in fact, like we're going to call that girl a slut too. And so I don't think they ever stood a chance to become friends. It still happens. It's not as bad as it used to be, but like even with Taylor Swift and Beyonce on tour, they're like, who's tour selling more? Who's better? Who's and they're like, we're not outsell? doing this anymore. It's like they're the two biggest stars in the world. Like, why are you putting up again? They don't do that with men. No. And key point, they're the biggest stars in the world. Both their tours outsold like any other tour this summer. There can be more than one and they'll be the most successful people on the scene where before they were like, oh, you can only have like one girl out there singing. Brittany, I've been watching a lot of these clips of hers when she was being interviewed by these horrible people and like press junkets. They asked her like, oh, comparing herself to this person that and she's like, there's room for everybody. Like everyone can be out there. Mandy Moore and everyone who was doing that thing that like blonde. She was been saying that since the beginning. Like she is very I pure. Love that. Yeah, I love that. I am very curious one, if Jessica Simpson is reading this, two, how she feels not being in the book. Because Did she expect to be in the book? Brittany was in her book. Well, that says a lot about the two of them. <laughs> Rob. <laughs> so I mean, I would expect Brittany to be in hers, but I mean, yeah. I do love Jessica Simpson. I do. No, yeah, absolutely. She did, she did shade Brittany. I didn't think it was shade. T tell people what happened. So she said in a clip from back in like the 2000s, why her album didn't make number one was because she isn't, dancing around with less clothes on and exposing her midriff, almost oh. kind of like slut shaming her a little. Is this the clip that you were thinking? No, of? it wasn't. That oh, is shade. No, I saw it recently. I mean, people really ganged up on Britney. She was number one. And yeah. that just seems like someone who's not a person. She says it in the book. She's like, I wasn't a person to people. I wasn't. A you know what I thought you were talking about was Jessica Simpson recently posting a picture saying um, when someone asks you for an autograph and they expect you to sign Britney Spears. And I was like, no, that's actually a, she that's was being funny. funny about a bummer moment for her. All these years later, you could still be mistaking them for each other. Yeah. So Brittany, before she really gets on Mickey Mouse Club, goes and her mom like gets her an agent. This is what I'm saying. It's not like an oopsies. Oh, can we, can we talk about Star Search really quick? Yeah, that's what, oh, yes. Oh, this is what you're about mm -hmm. to talk about. Perfect. Okay, great. So Ed goes to, the host of Star Search goes to interview her and- Oh, it's so gross. I hope we, I, I know people still do this, but I hate it. To this little nine-year-old girl is like, do you have a boyfriend? Like, you know, get it, sexualize him young, Rob. You know, just get in there early. And she says, no. And he says, why not? And she responds, they're mean. And everyone's like, <laughs> and it's like, this little child believes that boyfriends are mean. I wonder why, you guys. And then he says, you mean all boys are mean? I'm not mean. How about me? Sick. It's like, dude, 
Now she's on television. You're an old dude being like, can I be your boyfriend? And she said, well, it depends. Again, she's so smart. And he says, I get that a lot. She loses and has to go backstage and cry. I've seen the clip before. So this wasn't new news to me. I think the reason why she put it in the book is this thematic, like from the very beginning, she's been sexualized. She's been made to be, oh, who's your boyfriend? Who's the guy? Like like a lot of women are. Yeah. And I know that's why it's in the book. So it wasn't new to me, but it was still so disgusting to read. Like, why, why not me? Yeah, and I really liked how she just left it there. She doesn't put an opinion on it. She's, she's not like, isn't that gross? It really speaks for itself. And also, so how much we overlooked. Like, if a little kid thinks men are mean, like, it's, you know, it's probably because of her dad in the house. And so then she goes and she is in the musical Ruthless, which I just have to say, this was my favorite musical growing up. I wanted to be really? so bad. Yeah. yeah, because it's a musical where, like, you can star in it when you're, like, you're 13. Like yeah. And there aren't many of those. It's like that and, I guess, now Matilda. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, Ugh. And so the other understudy is Natalie Portman, which... I hadn't thought of Natalie Portman as a singer. Yeah. Does she have this voice she's holding out on? I think sometimes people are great singers when they're younger and then just don't. Lose it? Yeah, because you'd think that she'd at least do a movie where she's singing. I, I know. I think I think maybe we'll get it, I hope. And then the other one is Laura Bell Bundy, who... Well, she's the. they are both understudies for Laura Bell Bundy. Oh, that's right. Laura Bell Bundy is the star. And Laura Bell Bundy, wild. she's got a lot of Broadway drama on her back. <laughs> like what? Like... She was Kristen Chenoweth's understudy in Wicked. And you have to be on call at all times in case something happens. And so Kristen Chenoweth, I can't remember if it was accidentally or on purpose, but she takes an edible and it hits too hard or she didn't realize it was an edible. And she's like, oh my God, I'm too high to perform Glinda. And they're like, she's like, call in Laura Bell. Laura Bell's like in Florida. She's on vacation. She didn't tell them she was gone. So they don't have anyone else on ice. And they're like, the sh- Wicked, you know, which sells out every night. Sorry, Kristen Chenoweth, you have to come and do it. So there's this incredible stolen footage of her performing Wicked high out of her mind. And she's making up some of the lyrics because she's like, I don't know what this is. is. Amazing. It's incredible. But Laura Bell was just like a little bad girl. I mean, you are an understudy of the biggest Broadway show. You cannot be in also Florida. I'm guessing it was Florida. I actually don't know where she was. She was on vacation somewhere. So Brittany then is old enough to go become a part of the Mickey Mouse Club. We don't get any Mickey Mouse Club stories, really, other than Justin was there and, like, he was her crush. And they kissed uh, to the sound of a Janet Jackson song playing, which is more foreshadowing because he had a big impact on both of their careers negatively. I, like, when they kissed to that Janet Jackson song, was Justin Timberlake, like, said in a little spell then? Like, a little warlock spell of, like, I'm going to ruin both these women one day. Yeah, that's exactly what he was doing. I couldn't believe that was their first kiss. And then we come to this part where she says, my mom had been in touch with a lawyer she'd met on my audition circuit, a man named Larry Rudolph, who she would call sometimes for business advice. I said, hold up, that's five red flags in one sentence. So let's just go back. My mom had been in touch with a lawyer, okay, She'd met on my audition circuit. Stop. In Rob and I are both in this business. In what world would a lawyer be a part of the audition I, of anything? I mean, I'd be like, that's not a lawyer. Yeah, that's not a lawyer. This is this is a creepy <laughs> that's man. That's Ed, Ed McMahon trying to get with Brittany. Okay. Yeah. What are you talking about? Then she said who she would sometimes call for business advice. On what business? The failed gym? <laughs> On the business of 
Like what? Literally what? Then he's like, um, hey, I don't know if you know this, but like there's girl groups and boy groups and Britney should become one of those or go solo. And they say, okay. And Larry sets up the demo recording for Britney. Britney records it and Larry becomes her manager. Now, a lawyer is not a manager. It is not a talent manager. And I, I just, this is not getting enough attention. And, it, and I just, this man ran a little scam and he succeeded because I looked it up on Wikipedia, the source of all facts and news. Of course. He was her manager until 2021. Yes. So he was on the team, on the payroll as like, if he was like, I'm your entertainment lawyer. Yeah. Be the entertainment lawyer where you can advise on business. That is absolutely a thing. It doesn't sound like that's what he was. Sounds like he was a lawyer who was then like, I'm this girl's talent rep. And I don't know how he would remain on the team until 2021. I have no idea, but it came through Lynn Spears. So, and also that would mean that he was another witness to Britney's life who did nothing. I think maybe he was left on for so long. I mean, her, her life when she was in the conservatorship is just a wash. Like, you can't make sense of any other choices. They're just, it's crazy. But I think maybe he was kept on because he did get her in the room and got, you know, she got a, a record deal very quickly. So it's like, oh, this guy actually got her a career. So they maybe just kept trusting him for it. I just, I'm like, where where was he when other managers were here? Like, why does it say until 2021? Yeah, like, that is very bizarre. It, the whole Larry, I needed more on Larry Rudolph. Unfortunately, <laughs> that's all we're going to get. We I looked wanted, him up. We need, it, we need a seven-part series here. I looked him up. I looked him up so hard, but unfortunately, there's a dentist named Larry Rudolph who murdered his wife, and that took a lot of the press coverage when I when I was trying to do my Googling. And it shouldn't. Honestly, he, this is more of a crime. This is more important. Why are we yeah, not talking about, about a dentist. Okay, so then she gets this record very fast, and her mom is is busy raising Jamie Lynn. And so they have this family friend who she calls Miss Faye, Felicia, who becomes her chaperone assistant adults around. And she's just going to be a character going forward. But there's one moment I really want to highlight, which is that Brittany is like thrust into the spotlight. She's going to become someone, but it's before she's famous and she's at a party and she wants to go and get Miss Faye to show her something. And she runs into a screen door hits her nose on it, and she falls back. Everyone looked up and saw me on the floor holding my nose. When I tell you I was embarrassed, I swear to God. I got up and someone said, you know there's a screen door there, which again, love early aughts humor. You remember when that was a joke? <laughs> you know, you know a- there's a thing there. Right? Um, they're like, Tony, you should be on SNL. Um, I just, I'm making up that it's Tony. We don't know who it is. And so- Anyways, she writes, I was so embarrassed. Isn't it funny that of all the things that happened to me that first year of recording, that is one of my most vivid memories. That was over 25 years ago. I was devastated. And I just think this is a key moment because she's going to be held prisoner via humiliation for a long time. So when her dad is keeping her in the conservatorship, he would say, if you don't do what I say, I'll humiliate you. I'll make you go to court. You'll be embarrassed. And I think she viewed a lot of the press about her as embarrassing and humiliating. And I just really feel, I just feel so heartbroken for her of how big of a theme that is for her. And I I don't know, did you pick up on that at all of like? Yeah, there's, what's really great about this book is nothing's random. Um, It's actually some of the details are just very interesting to read. But there's a reason why she's planting all these things. So by the time she goes and we get to the point where she shaves her head, it all makes sense. You're like, actually, that's all she did? You know, like, that's it? They do a great job of building it up. They really do. And 
Then she writes, I was 16 when, on October 23rd, 1998, the Baby One More Time single hit stores. The next month, the video premiered, and suddenly I was getting recognized everywhere I went. On January 12th, 1999, the album came out and sold over 10 million copies very quickly. I debuted at number one on the Billboard 200 chart in the U.S., I became the first woman to debut with a number one single and album at the same time. I was so happy and I could feel my life start to open up. I didn't have to perform in malls anymore. A mall tour is so, I actually looked up mall tours because I'm like, I'd never (laughs) been on one. And I mean, a goddamn nightmare. And you want to hear some of the people who have had mall tours? Please. Willa Ford. She had a mall tour. Um, As did Ariana Grande. Okay, that she, makes hers sense. was very fairly recent though um, for Macy's. Lady Gaga did an IKEA parking lot tour. That's tough. So not even inside. <laughs> and a parking lot of IKEA. Like you don't even get to be around the meatballs and the furniture. <laughs> it's so ridiculous that I'm like, did she do this recently as camp? But no, it was like very early in her career. Uh, and then of course Tiffany became famous because she did a mall tour uh, in the eighties. And I, I mean. I've walked by a mall tour or remember when like kids in your town would like be like, I'm going to be a singer one day. And like somehow their dad got them a karaoke hookup in the middle of the mall. And you'd be like an old Navy being like, Oh, okay. Actually I'm, as I'm talking, I'm like, this is very specifically me. Um, (laughs) This is not a relatable experience. It's me and old Navy being like, God, that bitch Tiffany is going to go big. I wish I could sing karaoke in the middle of the mall. Really? Oh, that I was a jealous hoe. Wait, (laughs) what's shocking. Wait, but not you were using Tiffany as like a oh, joke not, name, yeah. not the actual Tiffany. That I did was it. not oh, okay. alive. <laughs> I was like, oh, you and Tiffany no, have beef. Okay. Um, let me think. I just didn't want to use the real girl's name, oh, but sure. yeah, Shoshana. Yeah. Okay. So yep. then another thing she just blows by, like we're just kind of immediately successful with her. She talks about making the music video for Baby One More Time, which I thought was super cute. And then she blows through the David LaChapelle Teletubby photo shoot, which is like five pages in the mom's book of like, how how did they do this to my baby? And it's like, because you shoved her in the bedroom with a photographer, I'm sure. But the fact that it's five pages in the mom's book and then it's one paragraph and Brittany's like, and I would work with him again. And I loved it's like, it. It's like, it just says a lot about their lives. Yes. And about that time where, where people could literally say, oh, she's in her bedroom in her bra with a Teletubby. Like we are sexualizing children. And it's like, yeah, y'all are. Leave Britney alone. Uh, leave her alone. Seriously. Although the title was like in Britney's bedroom, but like kids have bedrooms and like they put all their stuff. Like it's not like a inherently sexual thing. No, but we have come so far in culture for better or worse. Like that was a moment where girls weren't allowed to dress like that, you yeah. know? And, and, I mean, I was getting my shorts measured with a ruler at school. Maybe that still happens. I don't know. The okay. Baby One More Time video, very quickly, it some it was eye-opening how many choices Britney made for that video. So initially, they wanted to have her as a new-age astronaut, some, like, space thing, which ends up ca- happening later I know, in her but I was like, why wasn't that talked about? She was like, oh, they want to be a new-age space astronaut. I said no. It's like, but that's the next video. Yeah, but then she, it, it is the next video, but she was like, I want to be normal and play basketball like I did in high school and be in our clothes and then change into regular clothes. And that is why that video is so successful. It's like she is really a vision. Like all of these choices she made in creative, like she was making so many choices, which is why it sucks so bad for her in the conservatorship because like that's her gift and her talent. She wasn't able to And they took it it away. Yeah. Uh, Such, so well said. So then we get into Justin. Yes. I mean, not yes, but... 
Okay, I, actually, before we get into it, I do want to say, I, before reading this book, did not feel any certain way about Justin. Like, yeah, like what had happened with Janet Jackson, she, he got off great, and she had her career ruined. But I chalked that up to just our society being misogynistic, and then he just benefited from it. But I didn't, like, hold him to it. But after reading this book, he is not a good person. Yeah, I I did know he was bad and it's for one specific reason when he married Jessica Biel and they gave the cover photo shoot it's either to people magazine or us weekly but let's pretend they're classy and they went people Uh, do you remember this wedding photo no I'll post it on my Instagram and Patreon it's iconic he is jumping up in the air in a suit and he's like like and she's seated in the corner in like a sad wedding dress and that's the photo shoot it's like him jumping her on the ground and I just was like Something's wrong. Something's fucking wrong. And from that, I've hated him. So I came into this book with hate. Just from that alone. Can you imagine? But it's like, what wedding photo has the guy being like, and the girl's like, I'll just sit here. That is a great point. It's almost like those wedding photos where they all embarrass the wife. Like he gets all of his buddies and they're just like, Saturday's for the boys. And she's like sitting in the corner. She's like, I guess I'm getting married. Like it's that vibe. Yeah, it's like ball and chain vibes. Yeah, Yeah. actually that is sick. Anyways, I read a lot into that wedding photo, but I was proven correct here. Oh yeah, your instincts are correct. Okay, I, I had it. So she gives him a very telling intro where... She is going on tour with NSYNC and she says, pretty soon I realized that I was head over heels in love with him. So in love, it was pathetic. So yeah, it says a lot. Then we go into an incredible section. It's going round on the internet. His band NSYNC was what people back then called so pimp. They were white boys, but they loved hip hop. To me, that's what separated them from Backstreet Boys, who seemed very consciously to position themselves as a white group. It's like, great, but NSYNC also the whitest thing you've ever seen. NSYNC hung out with black artists. Sometimes I thought they tried too hard to fit in. One day, Jay and I were in New York going to parts of town I'd never been to before. Walking our way, which by the way, parts of town I'd never Never been been to before. She's in Los Angeles, right? No, no, they're in New York. Oh. They're in New York going to parts of town yeah. I'd never been to before, which is just like a, Brooklyn. That, that's what I feel. It's like, what, you were in Harlem or something? Yeah. Like, what are we talking about? <laughs> Please. Walking our way was a guy with a huge blinged out metal lion. He was flanked by two giant security guards. Jay got all excited and said so loud, oh God, are you going to do this part? I'm no, not do it. this is where Michelle Williams does this part. Jay got all excited and said so loud, oh yeah, foshes, foshes, genuine. What's up, homie? After Genuine walked away, Felicia did an impression of Jay. Oh, yeah, Foshiz, Foshiz, Genuine. Jay wasn't even embarrassed. Um, <laughs> how excruciatingly embarrassing. Ooh, I love that she included this. I very much love that she included this. And I just have to say that, like, the idea that, like, hip-hop is what made... Now, did that ever cross your mind growing up? You're like, you know what makes NSYNC good? They know black music. <laughs> I would never even thought of them as anything other than white. and But I would say when Justin Timberlake went solo, it was very clear that he was taking a lot of like things from black music yes. and R&B and whatnot. But NSYNC? Girl. NSYNC? Well, actually, there were dreads. I guess you're right. There were... Actually... Yikes. Was he black? No, I'm kidding. No, they <laughs> oh. were very white. Um, I mean, I... The idea that this would be something that anyone thought, like, I never heard anyone call them so pimp, did you? No, it's incredible. Like, (laughs) I'm almost like, like, were those choices of words, like, 
things that she wouldn't even say, but she's like, this is what people were saying. I want you to them. know that this is what they think. Yeah. I also have to call out here that Jessica Simpson was like in her book, she's like 98 degrees really saw themselves as a working class boy band different from the other classes of bands. And I was like, excuse me. And then she said, they saw themselves as boys to men. I said, have they heard themselves? These, the audacity the of audacity. these men. So, so I just love a rewrite. NSYNC was a really cool hip hop band. <laughs> And 90 Degrees was a working class R&B group. Like blue collar. <laughs> Let's like go do O-Town. Oh my God. O-Town was actually country musicians. <laughs> they were, yeah. Uh, who were they? But they were all gay. <laughs> a bunch of gay, <laughs> gay line dancers. Country. Yeah, I love it. The, yeah. So <laughs> I loved, I love that she included this. How embarrassing for Justin. Okay, then she gives us a full page on getting a selfie with Mariah Carey, who she says invented the ring light years before anyone else had it, fully believe, and that she said, get my good side, get my good side, girl, which is a famous Mariah Carey thing. And she treasures this photo they get together more than the award she wins at the MTV show. And I I just loved it so much. And I know Mariah's going to love getting her flowers. And I really hope Mariah like swoops in to take more care of Britney after hearing this page it's amazing like as a gay man who literally loves all of these women how she's able like through the book she's like i looked up to dolly mariah whitney uh this moment with mariah like she loves and adores all of these women and i and i loved reading it me too me too speaking of dolly she said, I wish back then I'd known the Dolly Parton joke. I'm not offended by all the dumb blonde jokes because I know I'm not dumb. I also know I'm not blonde. A great Dolly Parton joke. Dolly Parton was so great with press shitting on women. But then she tags this with my real hair color is black. And I'm just, is that a joke? What is that? This is where I'm like, Sam Lansky, editor, what, it, what I want to know what this is. I think it's a, oh, like my, she says, she's ending the quotes. My real hair color is black. I I don't I think that she's just saying literally I, I could have said that too. That's why it, it relates to me because I'm also not. A, maybe she's revealing I'm not that a real blonde. People don't think she is has brown hair. What if this is the big secret of the book? I I'm sorry. I spent a lot of time here where I was like, I swear to God, she's my brunette revelation. Queen. She's she not a hair. real blonde. And then she ends this chapter with saying, at this time in my life, I started taking Prozac, which I love that she included. We never, we'll never come back to that. We'll never know why. We'll never know, like, I saw a therapist. People were worried about me. I was worried about myself. Because um, she's still with Justin. Like she's still with Justin. These are the MTV years. And, I mean, I thought it was a great thing. But this is what I'm saying with, like, I think she was dealing with depression and anxiety. Obviously, even if that you weren't a human prone to that, because of her circumstances she is and like some someone her or someone is taking care to talk to a psychiatrist here at this point in time I just wish this was threaded through more just because I have questions okay when we come back we have so much Justin stuff to get into before we can move on to the other parts of the book yes we do sibling fights are unavoidable but what if every fight you had was under a microscope on a global scale that's the reality for brothers Prince William and Prince Harry. They were each other's closest friends and allies since the death of their mother. But that all began to crack as they married and took wildly different approaches to their royal duties. Wondry's podcast, Disintel, is hosted by comedians Sidney Battle and Matt Balasai. Each episode unpacks one of pop culture's most iconic celebrity feuds, and they recently took a deeper look into the real reason William versus Harry started. 
It's actually much bigger than these two brothers, stretching back into the history of the British monarchy. Did their feud start with the royal family's mistreatment of Meghan Markle, or was it something that started much earlier? Follow Dis and Tell on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. So fascinating. Okay, we are back, and I want to just start us off with a fun fact that I've always had in the back of my brain, but now I'm glad that a bunch of people have had their minds blown, which is that Britney Spears does the movie Crossroads, which was written by Shonda Rhimes. Did you know that before this book? Yes. It's it's the best fun fact. It's so, it's so great. Like, I mean, we're, we're about to get into it. Like, yeah, her experience on it, she was a method actor. On Crossroads. On Crossroads. And I'm trying to give Britney the benefit of the doubt. Like, she commits to things. Like, she doesn't just half-ass it. So I'm giving her that. <laughs> I'm giving her that. But what is that character to even be method acting? Like, it was, I don't Isn't it her? I, and it, it really messed her up. Like, she was like, I am this character. And, like, and I don't know who I am anymore because I'm living in this character. But she mentions a couple other things of, like, going on X Factor and being on television makes her really nervous. And she really didn't enjoy it. I think it's a big part of why she's not doing press now is because she doesn't like it. And I think there's something with her where she doesn't enjoy... She loves dancing and she loves singing, but like she does not like being on camera in any other way. It ties back to this early memory she has of getting attention when she was younger by hiding in cabinets. And I thought that was really interesting because it's like she likes the attention, but by disappearing, like by having people ask, where's Britney instead of her just being in the center of the room, like showing off and singing, you know, even though she probably like did that too. And I feel like that is just part of who she is. Like, she isn't she's shy in yeah a lot of ways. she's she yeah I, she talks about having like she could perform in front of millions but to have like a one-on-one conversation feels awful by the way this would be a good moment to let you know that if you hear slight snoring it's because needy quarantine dog doesn't find this part interesting Aww. so then we go to another section in the book which is the denim call out which adds in full denim i must read She said, I get that it was tacky. This is when her and Justin wear matching full denim. Wait a minute. You know what? Wait, wait. I want to back us up. After Crossroads, she auditions for The Notebook. Did you know this? No. I didn't either. And I believe the audition is online now. Yeah. Which I didn't watch. I haven't seen it. I did watch it. She's great. She's great. I mean, I can't imagine anyone other than Rachel McAdams. I cannot imagine this movie with we have reunited the Mickey Mouse Club, Ryan Gosling and Britney Spears to do the notebook. The uh, I was looking up who else had auditioned for this and it was between Britney and Rachel McAdams. They were the final Down two. Down to the final two. And they said uh, the uh, casting director said Britney beat out several of the top female actresses at the time including Scarlett Johansson, Claire Danes, Kate Bosworth, Amy Adams, Jamie King and Mandy Moore auditioned for the role. Britney beat out all of them. Everybody who was anybody that year wanted this part. So she wow. really did nail it and she it was a good audition. I, I have to go watch it. I really wonder I it almost feels like that moment in time of had she been in that movie everything changes like culture changes like certain events in history don't ha- like that don't happen because a, she's a in major that major butterfly effect major the butterfly effect the ripple but it also is very she's so funny because she's like I if I had gotten that role instead of making in the zone my next album I would have been walking around method acting as a 1940s heiress <laughs> And I'm just like, you fun. you're so funny. Yeah. Like, she just but, makes me giggle also, throughout this whole thing. sincere. 
Yes. We, she, we really would have had a pap shot of her being like, well, I don't know. <laughs> like, I just wanted my Frappuccino. <laughs> so she is still with Justin at this time. We are still in the Justin years. And this is when she decides to go to the Teen Choice Awards. I loved this. It was her idea for both of them to dress in denim. And it was a joke. And she said, when we were kids, my mom would have us match to go to church, which, by the way, I love a matching fit. I'm still here for matching fits. Totally. And... She's like, oh my God, what if we both wear denim? And then the stylist shows up with all denim and she's like, oh, we're really doing it. And she said, I get that it was tacky, but it was also pretty great in its way. And I just want to pause to say, yeah, it fucking was. Like, that is an iconic moment in history. Uh, kind of like Cher wearing her like feather, <laughs> her feather two-piece to the Oscars. Like, to give us these giant big moments in culture, I think are such gifts. And it's so ridiculous that people were only making fun of it. And she said, I'm always happy to see it parodied as a Halloween costume. I've heard Justin get flack for the look that I'm currently wearing if you're watching this video. And he said, you do a lot of things when you're young and in love. And that's exactly right. We were giddy and those outfits reflected that. She was in love. Like, she was head over heels for him. Like, we're not going to go into all, like, all the details, but, but she spends a lot of time talking about how she just felt amazing being near him. Like, all she wanted to do was be around him. Like, she really loved him. And I think they him. were really, really happy together for a, a long time. And she was so in love that she said, I knew he cheated on me, and I just didn't care. And normally, I might say, like, that's not great, but a part of me was thinking, yeah, they're both on tour. They're both wildly famous teenagers. She kind of had this, like, things are going to happen, but we'll be together attitude, I think. Or or she was ignoring the red flag. I couldn't I couldn't tell with this one. She ignores a lot of red flags with men. That's So correct. I think that's part of it. Yeah. I do. I think it is. She It's almost a maturity in how she talks about it, like, we still had something great and like, it's not great that he did that, but it's not worth breaking up over. But that was news to me. And I think a lot of people. Oh yeah. And then she says, um, so he, you know, he did it a ton. So I did it too one time. And that's with Wade Robson who uh, just for anyone listening, you will also know Wade Robson. He's a, he's a huge famous choreographer. You'll also know him as one of Michael Jackson's victims who came and spoke out about being groomed as a child. And I just think that they've both just been through so much and so much press and also how small the Hollywood world was back then. It's still small, but it was even smaller. Yeah. And also the fact that she had cheated one time with Wade Robson, who is her choreographer and put together her favorite tour ever uh, and got her artistically like she felt appreciated by him because he saw her as an artist and not just a product. And the fact that Justin had cheated with random women that were like, oh, she's such a dancer here, this and this. But for Britney, it was like, oh, not that cheating is great in either, either way, but it was like hers actually like kind of was like more of a connection. Yeah. And I just wonder like, what do you think Justin is thinking about right now? Like, how is he I think doing? He's like, could I get on one of Jeff Bezos rockets and go to the moon? Like, is there a way I cannot come back? I mean, I was looking it up and I've, of course, like his people talked to press and they were like, Justin is fine. Like he doesn't even know Britney's writing a book. Like he's just thinking about his next pro like his next trolls movie, you know, like he just unbothered, like hell no, that man is 
in a ball shaking. Yeah, I, and you know what? He he delivered a prelim apology a few years ago. I don't know if you remember this when people suddenly were like, wait a minute. Of course. What happened to Janet Jackson was wrong. And he's like, it was wrong. And by the way, very sorry to Britney Spears. And it's like... It was a notes apology for sure. I remember it. It was a pre-cum apology. <laughs> and I do believe we still deserve the full apology. It is just wild. And we're going to get into it how he's made a career off of a lie and now and she's kept it this long like she didn't even say it when he was dragging her through the mud of course uh, which we'll and, get into and the lie is that so first we have to say one thing i love about this book is that she's like yeah i lost my virginia at 14 avi which by the way same when you're in a small town like same so she's like yeah i lost my virginia when i was 14 not even mentioning, by the way, remember how I was a famous virgin? And so then she's like, yeah, I'm the, the new- most famous virgin the other most than the Virgin fa- Mary. And by the way, Jessica Simpson over here being like, I'm also a virgin. Like, we don't care. <laughs> Brittany, are you a virgin? And so so she's not, a, she's like, yeah, lost my virginity at 14. I was shocked by that. Then, you know, I'm living with Justin. We're having sex all the time, which again, like- fucking obviously but you and I teenagers at this time I was like I bet they really don't do it oh my god wow these rumors that she says in here about like her having breast implants like that she doesn't have and like all these things as a kid yeah I was like just so embarrassed that she got them and I'm like now she'll honestly I thought this I was like now she'll never be able to breastfeed her children and I was like 11 or something when this was going on like these things impacted us like we believe these things yes you and I we've got one foot in moments of life that were analog and one foot in phones exist and so like but like we really are the cuspers of like the last on and at this moment in time All we had to talk about was like where Justin's penis was and and what size her boobs were. It's so funny that she was also saying like, I thought it was so ridiculous that my team was like trying to make me this like virgin. I'm 20 years old. Like I'm like, she was actually rolling her eyes at all of this too, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah. So I I loved her just being like, yeah, so we're like having sex all the time. I was like, but you're a virgin, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Obviously not. And so- then she says this heartbreaking story that also I just want to prepare everyone. I, I it's a heartbreaking story and I am going to make a joke at some point and I just want everyone to be ready for that tone. So she gets pregnant with Justin's child and she says he really didn't want it, but she always knew they'd be together. It is very clear that Brittany always wanted to be a mom. He always wanted to be a mom. She, she was ready to have that child and she's not going to have it because Justin Timberlake isn't ready and she's like I don't want to force him into it she's not mentioning this is the part where I think she should have mentioned by the way we're famous virgins both of us we're both famous purity millennial culture virgins and so obviously I can't be pregnant and so she says the only people who knew were Miss Felicia and Justin and they get her pills and I'm really shook by this because She says the pills aren't supposed to be painful, but she goes through the most excruciating pain of her life because also they can't tell a doctor. This will leak to the press. Like this context is missing a little here of, of like, of course this has to be in secret. Her parents don't know. Her friends don't know. And she said she went to the bathroom and stayed there for hours, lying on the floor, sobbing and screaming. They should have numbed me with something, I thought. I wanted some kind of anesthesia. I wanted to go to the doctor. I was so scared. I laid there wondering if I was going to die. And she says the pain was unbelievable. And even though she's like crying and sobbing, that 
Justin and Felicia don't take her to the hospital. And you can tell she's like, why would you not have taken me to the hospital? Still, they didn't take me to the hospital. Justin came into the bathroom and lay on the floor with me. At some point, he thought maybe music would help. So we got his guitar and he lay there with me, strumming it. Chelsea, jaw on the floor. He played guitar Guitar. at her abortion. He did an acoustic set while she's bleeding on the floor for two hours. I mean, it is unreal. (laughs) I was... I just shocked. He truly thought, my girlfriend is in so much pain and must be dying. What what, what could heal her? What could make her feel better? You my know. music. Maybe I could do like an Oasis cover or something. <laughs> I want, honestly, I need the set what list. What songs? Yeah, what was the set list? You think what he was did, your you, fucking did he do an encore? List? Like, were you playing in sync songs slowly? Like, what songs did you know? I mean- I don't want to wait. He, Paula Cole sounds like, like a good t- era, a song of the era. But 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 no, truly, like any song, any song in history you could play at that time would be the worst song to play during an abortion. Like, just start naming songs. Like, um, uh, Mambo Number no. Five. Isn't she lovely? <laughs> um, uh, hit me, baby, one more time. No. I mean, I mean, would you? I, you would. Bye, bye, bye. It sings best. <laughs> like, oh. you moron! I can't believe. I cannot believe she had to go through his music as she went through that. I, I also think this whole part shows how Britney's just, like you're saying, they're two famous virgins and they couldn't have gone to the hospital. But she and, all- and even if Justin was like, yes, let's please have that baby, there were nine people lined up outside her house, her dad first being like, no. You're not having a baby. She doesn't get it. And she says this in the book too, is like she she admires people like J-Lo who are just really good at like working their image. She just wanted to live her life the way, that, to have enjoyment, like to yeah. enjoy life. And that would have been a horrible choice to like, ha- I mean, that would have been really bad for their careers to have that baby. And yet that's another butterfly moment. Like what if they could have just been together and had a kid and been like, we don't want to be teenage virgin pop stars anymore. We want to be real people. I don't that's know. That's what she, I think she would have done it. Yeah. And Justin definitely wouldn't have. So when Rob said the lie, Brittany says she doesn't understand why Justin broke up with her. But when he started making his first solo album, justified which again it feels like he was like what's a name with justin oh it's justified okay now let's make up the stories for that for my cool named album pause for a second on that on that note there's an amazing clip of amy winehouse at the grammys as they're announcing nominees and you see her on the microphone uh, because she's just performed and they say justin timberlake's nominated but they say justin timberlake what goes around comes around and she just looks around at her bandmates and she's like his name? And she's like, his song is What Goes Around Comes Around. Like, almost like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, I'm sorry for the horrible I British accent. I need but like, to find this clip. <laughs> like, it, it's like she's making fun of how bad he is at naming things. At naming things. Well, Justified sure gets you there. He, Brittany says, I think he decided to use me as ammunition for his record. And so it would make it awkward for him to be around me staring at him with all this affection and devotion because he wants to go and tell the world Britney cheated on him, I'm so heartbroken, by my first album. She says he ultimately ended their relationship via text message. And I, you know, our phones still new in this era? Is this one of the first? Like, I, I don't know where we are in the timeline. Um, but I can't fucking believe he did that via text message. She said, and this is what I was talking about with like, mental health and like everyone's mental health is different 
To this breakup, she says, I was devastated. When I say I was devastated, I could barely speak for months. Whenever anyone asked me about him, all I could do was cry. I don't know if I was clinically in shock, but it felt that way. And she says Justin even flies out to Louisiana to visit her with a long letter he'd written and framed. So he had decided this letter is so important. You know what? That I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and get it framed for you. I missed that to, detail. What put the fucking breakup letter on her wall? The audacity to and, frame yes, it. Yes, and she's like, oh, it's in a box under my bed. It's like, yeah, because it doesn't need to be in a frame. Like, like <laughs> frames are things you look at. He thought she was gonna look at it every day. Like the breakup letter. Like, and she was, and when she read it, she was like, damn, he's a really good writer. And I said, we're not giving him that. Also, it's worth noting that those text messages as he was breaking up with her were happening when she was on the set of doing the video for Overprotected, the Dark Child remix, which is top five Britney videos of all time. She looks so good in that video and she is serving so hard. And I think that there's a reason why. Because like, the emotion was. I mean, she is, I watched that literally like, once a month that video wow wow well she yeah she can't speak on set she says when justin flies out to see her she can't speak so this woman cannot speak for months that's an extreme this is a huge turning point in her life this breakup which that was in the tabloids and i remember being like god move on like you know it's a breakup they were teenagers and now i look at it like oh no this was the turning point in her life was, was this breakup so shocking that he out of nowhere, she just was caught off guard and he just was like, you know what? I'm going to use this for my career. No one saw that coming. No one saw that coming. Um, his little Crimea River like, bitch ass. I think she she actually speaks on him very kindly. She doesn't so much with K-Fed. Um, <laughs> she kind of makes fun of him a little, which I love. Which but it should have been a lot. So good for her. With Justin, that's in here. In the news media, I was described as a harlot who'd broken the heart of America's golden boy. The truth, I was comatose in Louisiana, and he was happily running around Hollywood. May I just say that his explosive album and all the press that surrounded it, Justin neglected to mention the several times he cheated on me. And she also just kept that secret until this book. But I also think he knew, he had the audacity to do that because he knew that no one would believe her. He knew how women, I'm, I'm going to say then because I fucking sadly believe we have gotten better which is pathetic because it's still so bad but the way like at least now a, a woman could be like he cheated on me and we'll be like did he back then it'd be like no he didn't you fucking whore <laughs> like we were horrible horrible especially the early aughts like she knew no one would believe her she'd walk into a club and say she'd get she'd get booed everywhere she went like i mean people hated her it's just like when jessica simpson is going to tony romo games and they're booing her out of stands and now Taylor Swift at Travis Kelsey. I'm not following. Yeah. Travis Kelsey's games. That's him. She's not getting booed. No, she put him on the map. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it, but you like, can't say that to someone who's a football fan. They get furious. So I love saying it. Oh, yeah. Also, I don't know if they're listening to this podcast, so you're safe. <laughs> I that, that isn't your whole audience. It's not my whole, it's not my whole demo. Um, but I, it is like a really, like if you look at Jessica Simpson, Tony Romo, Taylor Swift and Travis like that is a cultural like two pinpoints on a map that you could like run some science on do you know what I mean of like what changed in that time blah blah, blah. okay but we're not doing that we're doing Britney's book so let's talk about how Jamie Lynn Spears is a bitch so she said my mom was trying to recover from her divorce from my dad which she'd finally gone through with thank god because Britney was begging for this divorce I love when she talks about her sister it's the best part it's some of the best parts of the book I agree so she said 
she'd finally gone through with it. My dad was nowhere to be found. And my little sister, well, when I tell you she was a total bitch, I'm not exaggerating. By the way, beginning chapter, she's like, Jamie Lynn was so sweet. I gave her everything. She was the cutest little girl. So this is her letting us know, not anymore. I had always been a worker bee. While I was doing my thing on the road with Felicia, I hadn't been paying attention to what was happening in Kentwood. But when I came home, I saw how things had changed. My mom would serve Jamie Lynn while she watched TV, bringing her little chocolate milkshakes. It was clear that girl rolled the roost. And this all tracks. Like, Jamie Lynn Spears, like, she's a bitch. Like, and that's not even just me on some Britney shit. Like, watch her on Dancing with the Stars. If, if, if someone who never saw her walked in the room, they'd be like, what? How'd that person get on camera? And they'd go, oh, she rode the coattails of her sister and was mean about it. And imagine being her older sister that provides everything for her. I mean, I think Brittany has a lot, gives her so much grace in the book too because she does start by saying she's really cute. She also mentions like when she's driving around in like a toy car that it's one of the most adorable things you've ever seen. And even later in the book explains that like she understands why she's this way because she didn't have it easy as well. Her she dad's an alcoholic. The same parents. And so she gives her a lot, but she, that's why these points are so good because she's like, and she was just a fucking yeah, and I think it also goes to show what happens in parenting when you do cater to this human. When you let a child <laughs> yeah. demand milkshakes on a tray the during the divorce. Like, give me another milkshake. And the mom's just like hobbling in. I, I need don't know to audition for Nickelodeon. But... <laughs> yeah. And like, um, but the house. Okay, so apparently Jamie Lynn said like, why did Britney buy us a house? Like, ugh, gross. Unhinged. It does feel like little sister behavior of like, you're jealous. You don't know your place in this family. Like you want to hate on it because you're overwhelmed at the dynamics of your family, which is that they're out of work and your older sister supports them. Like I get how it was said, but also Brittany is like, I bought you a fucking house. She says in the book that like, it's, it's because she has never known them being poor. Jamie Lynn has yeah. never known uh, all their names. Uh, Jamie Lynn has never known them being poor. So she just doesn't have the context to like appreciate these things. Yeah. So then she's going through this Justin breakup. By the way, we also read Jamie Lynn's book on this podcast. This is a podcast that in my biased opinion, I think is very fair in that had Jamie Lynn delivered anything that resembled a noble book in any way, or even just resembled a book, I would have given her credit. That thing is such a piece of dog shit. Like I, I think she like took those word magnets and like threw them at the fridge and printed it. And in Jamie Lynn's book, she says like Brittany was supposed to be with Justin and I hated when she broke up with him and that, and she blames the breakup on her sister in the book and is like, I can't believe Brittany did that. I wish she'd get back with him. Like she was such a different person. We shouldn't have him anymore. I mean, it is just nauseating. That's I know. So Clearly, something's happening in time when Britney's like post Justin coming home. It's different. Why it's would weird. she even lie? That's so not the truth. I right? know. I know. And so then she finally talks about the virgin outing, which is she says, Justin told everyone that he and I had had a sexual relationship, which some people have pointed out depicted me as not only a cheating slut, but a liar and a hypocrite. Given that I had so many teenage fans, my managers and press people had long tried to portray me as an eternal virgin. So she says, I not only did I not mind that he said that, I was so happy because obviously that wasn't the truth and it meant that I never had to come out and be like, guess what, guys? I'm no longer a virgin. I have done it before, you know? And she was like, finally, I'm free and my power is back and I can be a human again because this guy went on a press tour, so thank God. And then she writes, Justin ended up sleeping with six or seven girls in the weeks after we officially broke up, or so I heard. Love it. And so she said, it's time for me to get back out there and 
that winter I saw a guy who I thought was handsome and a club promoter friend. Now this is actually an impossible sentence. <laughs> club promoter and friend. Not no. in Britney's world. <laughs> slash husband slash, slash family member. Yeah. <laughs> slash yep. manager. A club promoter friend said I had good taste. I said, uh-oh. That guy is cool, my friend said. His name is Colin Farrell, and he's shooting a movie right now. Well, talk about balls. I got in my car, and I drove up to the set of his action movie, SWAT. Who did I think I was? I said, how'd you get the address? What's going on here? And then she just walks onto set, and the director's like, hey, Britney Spears, come sit by me. I said, a different time. We're in a different time, because I'm on sets all the time. I don't know no, no, how this would happen. Th- there's major details missing here, because I'm like, there's just no way. It's impossible. She walks in and she's, and the director goes, hello there, come take my seat as director. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah, and then she says, Colin Farrell comes over and says, do you have any pointers for what I should do here? Which I'm like, such a good move, dude. To be like a famous actor and you're like, what do you think I should do? Like, yeah, he's great move, it. he pulled it, it, he got it. It's written like fan fiction. Like, it's so not based <laughs> yes. in reality. Like, I walked on set, no one was there. I sat in the director's chair and he came over and said, give me pointers, and I did. And like, the movie won an Oscar. Like, it was like, <laughs> what are these details? This is crazy. <laughs> this is Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> and so I'm sure some others have happened, but Brittany doesn't remember it. And you know what, it's fine. She said, we wound up having a two-week brawl. Brawl is the only word for it. We were all over each other grappling so passionately. It was like we were in a street fight, which makes so much sense because I always remember that iconic photo that ran on the cover of all magazines when she goes to his movie premiere and he has his arm around her neck like a hook. (laughs) Do you remember this? I'm going to post it. You have to post it. I can't. I can't recall. He has his arm around her neck like it's a hook to pull you off stage. And so his elbow's resting on her neck and he's kind of pulling her everywhere as he poses strongly and she's just kind of like leaning into frame. And it didn't look like she didn't want to be there, but it wasn't like a romantic shot. And now you realize like, they were oh, it's in a brawl. brawl. They were in a brawl. They were, they were having sex brawls, and which she's, is also like kind of hot. Like, yeah, honestly, I do like, yeah. I'll, can, I'll take a number for that. <laughs> Please put, put me down for one sex brawl. Please. I'll do a one week. I can't do two. I, I'll do a one week brawl. <laughs> I'll give you like five minutes. I'm so tired. So she said, I wore a pajama top to the, to the movie premiere. She's so funny. I thought it was a real shirt because it had miniature studs on it, but I see the photos and think, yeah, I definitely wore a full blown pajama top to Colin Farrell's premiere. I love this. I woman. love her. She is. I just want to be her friend. Yeah, absolutely. And then she says something really devastating which she says I was vulnerable because I wasn't over Justin for a brief moment in time I did think there could be something there the disappointments in my romantic life were just one part of how isolated I became which so she thought there was something there with him and then you have to rewind and remember two weeks this two weeks was, was how long that she was with him two weeks was the only like I, I anyways okay so She then talks about how she has social anxiety and she just becomes extremely isolated, living in New York City, never leaving her house, and and yet throws a New Year's Eve party with Natalie Portman. Okay, what would you prefer? A two-week brawl with Colin Farrell or to be at that New Year's Eve party? The brawl. (laughs) Like, the brawl over anything. (laughs) Like, it's always going to be the brawl. What about you? Okay, okay. I want to be at the party. (laughs) Yeah. I want to know. I just want to see that friendship. Like, I just wish, I don't know. I just, another world, they're best friends to me still. So then she talks about how the press is full of po- positive stories about Justin Timberlake and Christina Aguilera and how she astutely points out Christina's on the cover of Blender dressed like a madam from the old West, which I think she's getting at. Cause she's like, why is everyone coming at me for my outfits when she's, you know, 
Yeah, and yes, good point. And then in the story, she says, Christina said that she thought Justin and I should get back together, which was just confusing given how negative she'd been elsewhere. Seeing people talk so in seeing people I'd known talk so intimately about me in that way in the press stung. Even if they weren't trying to be cruel, it felt like they were pouring salt in the wound. And there's also a rumor out there that Brittany caught Christina and Justin kissing at a club. Oh, really? Yeah. And they're like, it was just so, it was just a kiss between old friends. Well, I mean, they're free to live their life. Like, I mean, yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah. No, fuck you. Are you kidding me? Well, hold on. This man is dragging Uh, your uh, former, like, dressing room co star across the map, being like, she's a cheating whore. You were supposed to be her friend. You know how hard this life is. You're living it too. I guess I'm thinking, um, like, from Christina's perspective. I mean, Justin's trash, but I'm like, Christina, like, I don't know. Like, at this point, I also think that Christina dealt with a lot of people sexualizing her, and she decided to own it by going full out dirty. Yeah. And so that was a choice she made, and it was good for her to do that. But I I don't think that Christina had it easy with that either. Let me say this. Guilty until memoir. Guilty until you You give me the memoir. You really want her to release it. me wrong. I do. I actually really love her. And however, in this light, I'm upset at her. And I do think it was a management. I never saw it as Christina's choice. I hope it was. I saw it as... Well, Brittany's a virgin and Jessica's a virgin and Mandy Moore is singing about candy. You be a slut. <laughs> you really think it was management? I think it was all her. I think it was management because I don't think she came out the gate that way. But I don't know. I, I hope it was her. I was hoping it was her being like, fuck off, you guys. So, okay. So then enters this chapter where Madonna comes to be a mentor to her. So good. However, I want to point out, she is living in an apartment in New York that Cher used to live in. And I got to say, she should have had Cher as a mentor and not Madonna. I think everything changes because Cher famously hates Madonna and is like, I don't think she's a bad person. I just think she's extremely rude and a cunt. That's a, that's a direct quote. Fair. And yet Madonna is there in the Cher apartment and she's being her mentor. And then she writes this. At one point she did a red string ceremony with me to initiate me into Kabbalah. I said, this is not what Brittany needs. No, she did. That red that string was- is not going to help. I'm sorry to religion, but like. You got to do more than that. She needed to have a good talk with Cher instead. You know, that would have been more of a religious experience. Yes. And maybe Madonna did other things, but it just sounds like she gave her a bunch of books about Kabbalah and said the view at her apartment was nice. I don't think that her relationship with Madonna was at all probably bad for her. And it was probably like kind of good. No, I think it was good. It was definitely good. She looked up to her. She saw how bold she was, like how she didn't compromise her vision. And Brittany was always compromising her vision for other people. So I think there were a lot of good nuggets that she pulled from that. But she needed more than Madonna. She needed a better family who loved her. You're like right. Madonna is, no pop singer is ever going a successful diva is going to like fix that. Okay, you're right. I guess I just wanted Madonna to like be her mom and be like, oh no. Like I, I'm just I sort know. of like no one's in her apartment except for you, Madonna. Like it's all on you, girl. Um, I know. But she did, I guess she did what she could. So- then she says, four people storm into her apartment. She'd never seen three before. This is where the writing is so good. I'd never seen three of these men in my life. The fourth was my father. So, <gasps> gasp. And they start talking to her and asking her questions. And they're like, you have to go talk to Diane Sawyer. And she doesn't want to. They make her sit down with Diane Sawyer. Because of what happened with Justin, everything I'd been through, felt like I was no longer able to communicate with the world. I had a dark cloud over my head. I was traumatized. I was forced to speak to Diane Sawyer and cry in front of the entire nation. It was completely humiliating. And in this interview, Diane is like, what did you do to Justin? (laughs) 
It's the worst interview, and it has gone viral during the Free Britney movement, so a lot of people have seen this, thank God. You've, have you seen the, the interview? Clips? Yeah. And it is one of the most horrible things. And when you realize that she hasn't spoken to anybody since he has done this whole, he's dragged her through the mud, like he through the hot coals. And she, all she had was her silence in it as she was recovering. And imagine the paycheck her dad must have gotten for him to storm in with three strangers <laughs> and say, you're doing this. It must have been so much money because they wanted the viewers on that. Oh, yeah. Huge. And everyone just watched that interview and went, yeah, what a bitch. Um, why do you dress like that? Why, do you, why are you so sexual? It's so horrible. So at this time, something very important happens where she's at home. Her mom's yelling at her. And she says, actually, wait a minute. I'm rich. I don't have to do this. So she goes to Vegas with some childhood friends and this is where she gets married. I love this story because she's like, I just wanted to have fun and like be wild. And she doesn't understand why people were freaking out. She and still I, doesn't. She still doesn't. She said, why were they like being so intense? Like everybody had a different perspective on it, but I didn't take it that seriously. And I just wrote, well, it is millions and millions of dollars. Like if you marry him and you don't get it annulled, they are worried this man who absolutely will do this will take everything you have. Jason Alexander? Yeah, totally. I think this is one of her flaws. And she's very self-aware, but I think this is one where maybe she hasn't really fully understood that maybe she has. Her choice to, uh, she was going to have the baby with Justin, wasn't really thinking about the fact that they were painted as virgins. Actually, was like looking forward to the truth being out there. Yeah. And then this moment... It's just like when she's saying her family was pulling her in and she didn't understand why they were restricting her so much. Like, think about it. Like, oh, yeah. Come on. Like, yeah. this is this is not a good choice. No. And she's just sort of like, what? I want to have fun. And and I will say she's in the right. Like, let her do whatever she wants. It's her life. You guys made her do this. However, they were looking out for the bag. They weren't looking out for it for your sake, but they were looking out for the bag for themselves. So it is at this point in time when I think we sort of we're going to miss, a. she gives us so much, but I think we're going to lose a lot of context going forward and a lot of details that are missing because what state could she be in where she meets Kevin Federline? But this is, she meets him right after this. And I love this so much. She said he would hold her in a pool. He would just hold me for hours and he wouldn't let go until I asked because this is how little love she's received in life. And she said, how could I explain that I just wanted to be held for an hour by a man in a swimming pool? I said, yeah, that is the only way you marry Kevin Federline. He's just there and he's like, I'll hold you in a pool. And that was enough. It was the way that she had set that up by being like, people were telling me you should date the CEO and you should date this politician or this, you know, the Prince Harry or whatever. And she's like, what am I going to say? I love being held in the pool. That is to show you what state she was in. Like she just wanted to be held so bad. She just I think how many men would have done that. Like, yeah. hello. I want like, to be like, oh, not special. Like uh, he was just Rob there. will get in there. <laughs> like, right. Yeah, they literally just did a rehearsal and he was in the pool, just all his sweat probably. And she just, he just sat there and she's like, oh, he held me. And that changed her whole life, girl. And that's all she, that's how little she needed. It's sad. And yeah. she writes, Still, I had no idea when we met that he had a toddler, nor that his ex-girlfriend was eight months pregnant. By the way, she says ex-girlfriend, eight months pregnant. A current I girlfriend. do want to say, I don't think it was the ex still, but whatever. Ex-girlfriend was eight months pregnant with his second baby. I was clueless. I was living in a bubble and I didn't have a lot of good close friends to confide in and get advice from. She's so isolated. I had no idea until after we'd been together for a while and someone told me, you know, he has a new baby, right? I said, what? 
This She didn't know. She said, I didn't believe it. But when I asked, he told me it was true. He told me he saw them once a month. You have kids, I said. You have children. Not only one child, but two children. So a number was done on me. Obviously, I had no idea. However, this makes no impact on her because she's I like, I still loved him. him. It That is, there's, you know, as much as like we, she's been, there's so much injustice in Britney's life, especially with the conservatorship. She was just going to make choices that weren't good for her, no matter who was going to try to stop her. She was very isolated, yes, but where's Felicia? Like, Felicia was her best friend and chaperone through a lot of her life. Like, where was Felicia during this moment? Yeah. And I and I also think that maybe has something to do with when you pay people, it's different from friendship. She was an employee that was Britney's good friend to her, but she's still an employee, yes. you know? And she has so much social anxiety. She can't she's not pulling in other friends and people are using her abusing her she's the most famous woman in the world of of course she's in this position where literally no one told her kevin fetter so as we were all like oh my god what about char you know like what's happening oh my god yeah Brittany's char. like who what like i have no idea that's wild yeah so she asked him to marry her he says no and then he proposes i said it is a crime that man got your proposal but fine and then she says uh she gets pregnant one thing I really didn't hone in on is that she is pregnant for two years because she has their first child and three months later gets pregnant with their second child. And so it's like, yeah, it was two years of full pregnancy, which are, is intense. And she said, I loved being pregnant. I loved sex and I loved food. Both of those things were absolutely amazing throughout both of my pregnancies. Other than that, I can't say there was much that brought me any pleasure. I was so mean. America's sweetheart and the meanest woman alive. And she talks about being like, I want white marble floors in my house. And then she's like, sorry, contractors. I was so mean. And then she said, I was protective over Jamie Lynn too. After she complained to me about a co-star of hers on her TV show, which is, this is like Alexis. It says, yeah, in Zo on Zoe 101. Yeah. I showed up on set to have words with the actress, what I must have looked like, hugely pregnant, yelling at a teenage, parentheses, and I would later learn, innocent girl. Are you spreading rumors about my sister to that young actress? I'm sorry. She took time in her very short memoir to apologize to this actress whose life was ruined by Jamie Lynn being a mean girl. I don't think Britney's wronged many people, and so it's very telling that she's, like, correcting the one wrong that she's made, you know? Yeah, oh, that's a good point. Later, you know, so she's... She's with Kevin now. They're married. No one wanted to get married. And she's trying to figure out her life. And she said people would run headlines of Britney Spears is huge and blah, blah, blah. Like she gained weight. And she said as if, as if those two things were some kind of a sin. As if gaining weight was something unkind I'd done to them personally. A betrayal. At what point did I promise to say 17 for the rest of my life? So good. So good. I, I think it's also worth noting, she goes into great detail about what it feels like to be a mom. Like, that is the biggest takeaway from this book is that that actually is her guiding light in life is that she loved having her babies in her. She loved being protective of them. She wanted to be around them all the time. She was a great mom. The way she expresses love, and she glosses over so many details we want to know about, like, juicy secrets with, like, with Christina Aguilar and all of that, like, glosses over them. But the mom thing, she just, like, you can tell it's her passion. She loves it. You're right. Yes, absolutely. And which makes what happens to her right. so extra devastating. The Kevin stuff is so hard to understand, but it feels like she had postpartum depression pretty intensely. I mean, she writes about it. So it's like she definitely is struggling. 
this is the moment in time when Kevin says, what? I'm actually a rapper and I'm going to have a big career. And it's hard to understand because she says she just starts showing up to his studio and he wouldn't let her in. And he just is done with her. And she just keeps showing up places with their newborn and their child. And he's like, no, thanks. And people who worked for her now work for him. I said, how did that happen? That was a confusing part of the book because she's like, they are my bodyguards, but they won't let me in the studio when he's recording or filming a video. Uh, Also, as an outsider's perspective, as this is happening, I mean, I was a young kid, but we all saw that happening. Like, clearly he's into entertainment and a backup dancer, a a, a schlub, has two other kids. Like, he's going to do something like this. We all saw it coming, so it wasn't a big surprise that he came out with Papa Zhao, which later in the book she makes a really great joke about where she's like, it means like big Brazilian ass or something. Yeah, it does. In Portuguese, like big ass. Um, But we all saw it coming. Like she really just can't see what's happening. Yeah, because those moments in the pool, she really, really, no, I'm serious though. She really loved him and had no idea that that would stop the moment he had a hold of her fame and her money. And just a small tidbit and you can hear it in our mom episode, but the mom is like, Kevin's amazing. He's such a good father. In the book, in the memoir. Anyway, I just have to say. Really? It. Yes. All over the memoir. She does it in a pull-out box. She does a pull-out box on one of the pages. Anyways. It's like these people who all get her money, like, come together and, like, strategize. Like, yeah. they're all on team, I take Britney's money and hate on her because of it. And they're like, Kevin will do a good job taking her money. Team Kevin. Yeah. So, she said, she just, like, can't even get to her husband, who's now a rap star and just is blocking her from seeing him. And she says, my lawyer told me that if I didn't file for divorce, Kevin would. What I gathered from this was that Kevin wanted to file for divorce, but he felt guilty doing it. He knew it would make him look better publicly if I was the one who filed, which by the way, no. And then she says, I was led to believe that it would be better if I did it first so that I wasn't humiliated. I didn't want to be embarrassed. So in early November, when Jaden was almost two months old, I filed the papers. So this is what I mean by embarrassment holds her hostage. And then she writes, I did not understand then that Kevin would then insist I pay for his legal bills. And because legally I had set the divorce in motion, I would be held responsible in the press for having broken up my young family. And then I'd have to cover him. So she got talked and manipulated into doing the divorce in a way that would help him from their lawyer. I also like when they were together and she was taking care of the kids and he was working on his like solo career. Can I read a thing that this killed me? She's, she wrote, Meanwhile, Kevin was doing a lot of press, and you would have thought he just hit a grand slam in the World Series. I didn't know who he was anymore. Then he was asked to do a Super Bowl commercial for Nationwide. It didn't matter to him that the ad was him making fun of himself, playing a fast food worker who dreams of being a big star. So it was even obvious to her that, like, he was a joke. You know, yeah. like, he was, these things were a joke, but she was willing to keep it together for the family. Great point. And also she, she says this other thing, which is so astute. Jimmy Kimmel like delivered a monologue about Kevin, who he called the world's first ever no hit wonder. And they sealed a stand in into a crate and put it on a trunk and dumped it into the ocean, which is like hilarious. Honestly, great bit Kimmel. And, uh, and what is so fascinating about Brittany is that here's this piece of shit who sets in motion so much horrific 
things in her life, including the fact that all she wanted to do is be a mom and it's with him. And she writes, she didn't like the hate on him. She said, this was the father of my two infant sons. I found the violence towards him unsettling. Everyone seemed to be delighted by news of our divorce. Everyone except me, I did not feel like celebrating. Looking back, I think that both Justin and Kevin were very clever. They knew what they were doing, and I played right into it. Her ability to show empathy for him in that moment, it's just, she's a better person. She's a good person. I I could never. I would have loved that joke. Yeah. I would have been like, oh, yeah, I would have wanted to be part of the bit. I would have stood up and started to chant. I would have been dead, beat, dead, dead, beat, dead. Like, everybody now. Like, like, the very idea that these, like, she's sticking up for these people that little have wronged her so much is why she was dragged through the mud. She hasn't really, like, defended herself throughout her whole career. Yeah, and she just wants to be nice. Okay, when we come back, my favorite possibly my favorite quote from the whole book. I started this podcast because I have been obsessed with memoirs my entire life. And I can't believe it, but I got to write my own. And it comes out on June 4th and you can order it right now. The book, you know, I was asked to describe it and I said, it is an absolutely harrowing, traumatic memoir, but funny. So if that sounds good to you, order it. Let me give you some topics that are in this memoir. A female best friendship breakup. How I got my break into Hollywood. When I found out my dad was not my real dad. The time I dated a magician. Are those last two related? Who's to say? Read the book. Growing up in Utah. Growing up around cults. How I got into therapy. Listen, I could keep going. Each chapter title is a different woman's name in my life. Some are heroes. Some are motherfucking villains. But you know what? A villain and a hero, what are both of those things? A leading role. And we do love women in our leading roles. So pre-order the book. It matters a lot. I linked everywhere that you can buy it in the show notes, but you know, go anywhere. Also, I am reading the audiobook personally. So I'm personally narrating it. So if you like this podcast, get my longest podcast ever. And the audiobook is also available for pre-sale everywhere you get audiobooks. And thank you so much for listening to this podcast. You are the reason I got to write a memoir. So thank you so, so much. So we're back. My dog, needy quarantine dog, has left the room. And that's what took place while we were gone. So pretty big deal. Let me take you into one of my favorite quotes from the whole book. Brittany said, I was a bad dresser. Hell, I'm still a bad dresser. And I'll admit that. And I work on that. I try. But as much as I'll own my flaws, ultimately, I know that I am a good person. I can see now that you have to be smart enough, vicious enough, deliberate enough to play the game. And I did not know how to play the game. And it's my favorite quote because it's just so deeply aware You know, she does these fashion shows on Instagram. She's going to talk about later. And she's like, yeah, guys, I know it's ugly. I am having fun. I'm not trying to make you like cute outfits. Like I love being tacky. I love being over the top. Like I love dressing how I want to dress. And I feel like a big narrative around her has been like, including from me being like, why is she still in low rise jeans? Why is she stuck in this like 2000s look? Like is, is something going on? It's like, no, she just, our most famous beloved pop star is like, I don't like to, I don't like to dress well, and I like that. <laughs> that is something that's carried her entire life where 
the perception of her. She doesn't know how to manipulate herself to look good for you. So for us, it just looks so bizarre. But yeah. I, I think that was really clear with her Instagram. Once she started to use her voice after the conservatorship ended and she was like, this is my therapy. And then I clicked. I was like, oh, yeah, she doesn't want to do anything for anybody else. She doesn't need to look pretty because this was what she was told all the time. She doesn't need to do this. And she loves dancing and twirling. But seeing people's responses to it being like, is she okay? And calling the cops. I'm like, you idiots. Like, clearly it's her therapy. But a lot of people don't get it. And she I say this as a weird girl. And some of you out there are like, I'm a weird girl. No, you're not. No, you're fucking not. Stop saying it. You know when you are. You're gatekeeping weird girl. Oh my God, am I gatekeeping weird girl? That's Um, so weird girl of you. Right now people are like, oh my God, I'm so weird. I like putting French fries on pizza. I'm so weird. And I'm like, drop dead. (laughs) Until you have been pants in the cafeteria and you weren't wearing underwear. Like you can. You're like, try collecting your pee in water bottles. And then you tell me, okay. (laughs) Okay, unless you're Howard Hughes level weird, you are not weird. You're right. I can't keep weird. I can't keep weird. However, Britney Spears is like, you guys, I'm fucking weird. And it's like, yeah, you are. And that's tight. And she's just like, I'm bizarre. I have a bizarre sense of humor and like, get off it. Like there's going to be a paragraph in the book where she's like, I wanted to use a a laughing baby noise in one of my videos. And my husband Hassam said not to, but the baby voice was so, that could have been a cool video. And I'm like, you guys, she's doing her thing. Yeah. I I think we see that, but we're also like. Visionary. We're like, don't you want to just tweak a couple things so that maybe like people don't call the cops, you know, but she's like, fuck you. I don't care about you. But then her next post is like, you guys, these knives are fake. Calm down. Which, you know, what's funny about that. No, they're not. They're not. Like what is you a can hear them clicking. Knife. Like it would be, have to be pla- all like plastic. A, like a prop knife. And, and listen, there are prop knives. It's just those aren't. However, do you know what's funny? Telling people they are. You know what's a prop knife? This. Oh, these love are those fun props prop I got knives. for the video. They're not dangerous at all. I support this girl. Yes. Okay. Now we have to move into a section I am calling the case of the missing Sam Lufty. Okay. I'm ready. Sam Lufty is her manager going into the conservatorship. He is who her family pits everything that went wrong with Brittany on. Like Sam Lufty got her into drugs. Sam Lufty was manipulating her. We had to get her into the conservatorship so she would stop working with him. This man is, as Larry Rudolph taught us, not a manager. He's just a guy. And when I tell you, you have to listen to the Lynn episode, The Mom, it is because she meets Sam Lufty because he pitches her on a fake jewelry business and she says yes. Then she doesn't describe how he gets in touch with her daughter. It's like, oh, maybe then he met her at a club. It's like, bitch, are you out of your mind? Yes, she is. However, this man is not a manager. He just gets into Britney's life. He's, he's a psychopath. And he's missing from the entire book. He is most of the narrative in the mom's book. He is also the manager when Amanda Bynes is put into a conservatorship. Are we tracking this? Yeah. When Amanda Bynes puts her head out the window and shaves her head and gets walked into a conservatorship with her family, Sam Lufty was her manager. When Courtney Love goes and steals Kurt Cobain's guitar by hiring a man to break into her daughter's boyfriend's house and steal the guitar back, that man is Sam Lufty. He's at the scene of the crime. He is the crime. He is the crime and the scene. He is her manager throughout these next chapters. He's not mentioned once. Why do you think that is? I've come to some theories. Okay, I want to hear it. I can't say they're correct. Please get in the chat on Patreon or my Instagram. Like, I need, I've been on Reddit. I'm looking. Like, I need answers. 
There has been a theory out there that Sam Lufty is the guy you call when you want to get your famous money-making daughter into a conservatorship because that's what he does with Amanda Bynes. It's such a crazy thing anyway. And I was sort of like, is that a business? However, a part of me is thinking that when he sold his fake, literally never existed jewelry line to the mom and was like, you would be a great spokesman for my jewelry line, which by the way, she doesn't know how he got her number. Like she was like, this guy just called me. I had no idea. I think maybe the mom is is a part of this with him and that he was manipulating Britney into erratic behavior so that they could put her in a conservatorship. This is my new conspiracy theory. I haven't believed it before. Otherwise, he's not in the book because of something legally, some sort of NDA that was signed with the conservatorship. I hearing your theories and I love them. Thank I you. love a conspiracy. I think the legal thing is probably the most likely. <laughs> yeah, it's probably that. <laughs> I mean, if you think, so when the divorce happened between KFED and Brittany, the 2004 prenup called for KFED to get $250,000 for each year of their marriage, but Spears upped that figure to a half a million to speed up the negotiations. He can't write a book about their marriage either. So there's like things about not being able to write about people that, she probably signed with Sam Lufty. Sam has voicemails from her on his phone of her calling him repeatedly throughout the years, begging to get out of the conservatorship that he has leaked. I I don't, I can't figure this one out. She wrote this one paragraph. She said, my family made me feel paralyzed. I gravitated toward anyone who would step in and act as a buffer between me and them, especially people who would take me out partying and get me temporarily distracted from all the surveillance I was under. Not all of these people were great in the long run, but at the time I was desperate for anyone who seemed like they wanted to help me in any way, who seemed like they had the ability to keep my parents at bay. That that's, was him. That's yeah. him. But but why is she not including him? And so then we get into the custody between Kevin, which is also so confusing where Kevin is just keeping the kids from her and not letting her see him. And I want to say, is what this- happened? Something, something's missing for him to be able to just keep the kids. And wouldn't she be able to go to the cops or go to the courts and be like, this guy's keeping my kids from me. We're supposed to have equal custody. Absolutely. That was possible. So that's where I'm wondering, like, is there something being negotiated where like he's supposed to have the kids and she's not, and she just hates that. Or was he actually just saying you can't see him and Brittany didn't know she had any rights to see her children. And so she just thought she had to beg Kevin and no one helped her figure out. No, you don't. Because her whole family's on Kevin's side at this point. Yeah. She was raised in a bubble. She she didn't even see the tabloids talking about K-Fed having a family. Like she doesn't know her rights. I, I don't. I But it is very unclear. And she basically says Kevin held withheld her kids from her for weeks. And so going through grief, she goes into a hair salon, takes the clippers and shaved off her hair. Everyone thought it was hilarious. Look how crazy she is. Even my parents acted embarrassed by me, but nobody seemed to understand that I was simply out of my mind with grief. My children had been taken away with, from me. No one would talk to me anymore because I was too ugly. My long hair was a big part of what people liked. I knew that. I knew a lot of guys le- thought long hair was hot. But like, that's a weird sentence. Like guys like long hair and... I think it's a very childlike, mm. you know, perception. And yet her mom wrote about it in her memoir. was like, I couldn't believe she shaved all that beautiful hair. It's like, shut up. Anyways. I, I think that looking back at that, we'd have a, a little more empathy for someone that would do that nowadays um, because it was such a great defiant act for her. It makes so much sense why she did it. I, I like that she did it. Like, I think it was healing for her, but 
also, we really is, acted like she murdered people. Yes. And this is someone who is in a cage, who is suffering, who is trapped, who no one will listen to. They have nothing left to do but to show the world they're in pain, but moves like this. And people still didn't listen to her. Including her family. Including her family. And it reminds me of Sinead O'Connor, who also had to fight against this horrible industry and shaves her head. I was just like, this is, this is such a cry for, like, I'm suffering. So... This is when she hits the paparazzi's car with an umbrella. Good for her. And then after she shaves her head, her dad meets with her and he's like, you're a disgrace. Like, you're disgusting to us. And she thinks to herself, like, why didn't I call Big Rob, her bodyguard, to help me? Because she just does what people tell her to do. And finally she gets custody and everyone convinces her to do the VMAs. And she said... Everyone was pressuring me to get out there and show the world I was fine. The only problem with this plan, I was not fine. And they shove her out there. And this is when that performance happens where she like kind of flubs it and she's gained three pounds and it's an atrocity. She talks about Sarah Silverman roasting her and her kids and how Justin has the best night of his life. And later after that, she says, my management team quit, which again, that's not the timeline in the mom's book. Sam Lufti's there to the last day of the conservatorship. I don't know what Brittany's talking about. Larry Rudolph is still on the Wikipedia at this point. Like, I just don't know what's happening. And a bodyguard says she's doing drugs. And so she loses custody of her kids. And when she goes for a visit, she locks herself in the room with Jaden, fearing that she'll never see him again in the bathroom. And she writes this sentence. My friend said the security guard would just wait while I had some more time with him. And before I knew it, the SWAT team was there breaking down the door. I looked at my friend and just said, but you said he would wait. I'm almost positive this is also Sam Lufty. Because there's also, listen, I am too deep in the internet. Like, someone help yeah. me. I'm no, touching grass. I'm not it's not help helping. I, I love it. I, I, by the way, this is not new. I didn't, like, read this book. And, no, I already, I previously came to this book with this information, which is the rumor that Sam Lufty or someone lied to her and was like, it's totally fine, girl, and then called the cops again because everyone's trying to get her into this conservatorship. They have to be able to call a 5150 and, like, put her in the ambulance. And so, and to violate the custody hearing. And But but here's the other thing. Even if it's not him, who is she talking about? Uh, she is him. at Kevin Federline's house locking herself in the bathroom. Who is the friend? I, th I think you're right. And I think the reason why she's not using his name is because there is ongoing litigation, right? Isn't there something going through the courts like where she's like, can she not know. mention him in some way that they'll use again? Like I, I, there's something legal happening. I, I have no idea. And then she says like, Kevin ruined my life and my family was honing in on me trying to like get me to take all my shit away from me. And this is when she starts dating the photographer, <laughs> which I mean, do you remember his little, um, his little trimmings underneath his chin? Yeah. What's it's that? A chin, chin strap? strap? Yeah. But it's like the, like, oh, it's like worse than a chin. It's, it's something like a, else. It's like a chin shoelace. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Like reading her perspective on her relationship with him, like it was almost like bliss and seeing it from the outside and being this woman needs help. Her choices in men she's are dating for the a paparazzi. paparazzi. She's like the inside game, you know, she's playing it. Like, uh, get out of there. And like she was so hounded by people that the fact that the paparazzi would be like the paparazzo boyfriend, 
Adnan would, yeah. would be like, go this way and you'll 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 avoid the And she's the, like, I love you. Like the bar is so low. He's where like Where is Felicia? Like Felicia, this was your Felicia? time to come in and be like, don't date him. Where's her cousin not Allie? Adnan. Who yeah, is where, at her who is her assistant? It's like once they're not on her payroll, they're like, see ya. Like Felicia right, girl, you were there for the guitar abortion. Oh my god, she really is like by you, Felicia. She is. Who? But, Bye, Felicia. But we need a high Felicia. We need... Where, girl? We need an avail Felicia. I went on Felicia's Instagram just to see, like, all these people. I'm, like, on, yeah. on their Instagram. They're all on... All, her whole family has them on, like, private, no comments on their posts. But Felicia's are open. And there's a few comments that are, like... Felicia... Where were you, Felicia? She talks... I'm going to pull it up. But when she says, I was really shocked that people talked to those documentaries about me without talking to me first, Felicia's one of them. Oh, yeah. However, Felicia is, like attesting to the fact that something's wrong. Felicia said Britney's family wouldn't let her back into Britney's life. And Britney says it in the book too. And so, okay, anyways, back to the paparazzo. I didn't know that the photographer was married. I had no clue I was essentially his mistress. I also didn't know he was married. Did you? No. He was 10 years older than her. And she said, my family didn't like him, but I didn't like my family. And... He encouraged me to be radical and loud and crazy, and that's what I wanted in my life. And then one day she says, my mom called me and said, Brittany, we feel like something's going on. We hear that the cops are after you. Let's go to the beach house. Again, like, what? Why would the cops be after Britney Spears? The- Who hasn't robbed anyone, stabbed anyone? She hasn't violated custody. Like, what do you mean? But she believes it. I don't think that Brittany, is, I think this book is all truth. I think she's just removed details that either she doesn't know. Like there's 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 probably a lot of things that she doesn't understand, yeah. but didn't know to ask questions as to why, you know, uh, it just think, happened to her. I think that's right. And her mom is like, let's have a sleepover. I think the cops might be out for you. We should have a fun sleepover. What do you say, girlfriend? And she's like, okay. And she says, my mom was acting suspicious. And then suddenly there's a SWAT team and 20 cops at her house. And this is when she is, like they staged the sleepover so that they can put her in a conservatorship. Which is where Lou comes in. Yes. So my father had struck up a very close friendship with Louise Lou Taylor, who he worshipped. She was front and center during the implementation of the conservatorship that would later allow them to take control and take over my career. At the time, she had very few real clients. She basically used my name and hard work to build her company. So again, in the past, I had already looked this woman up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was no one. She was just like this like girl being like, hey, girl, here's how you schedule your business great. And then the next day she was like, I'm I'm a conservator. She's a sham. She's yes, a sham. She's a sham. And she basically comes up with this plan and they decide. By the way, Lou Taylor was Jamie Lynn's manager at this point in time. So that's oh. how they know her. So even though I begged the court to appoint literally anyone else, and I mean anyone off the street would have been better, my father was given the job. This same man who'd made me cry if I had to get in the car with him when I was a little girl because he talked to himself because he would drive drunk. And the court was told I was demented. I wasn't even allowed to pick my own lawyer. And then one of Pastor Lou, Lou Taylor's, like lackeys whose name is Robin starts running her life. And she calls her a lackey. Yeah, which is good. And and um, Lou and her company become her co-conservator. And this goes on for 13 years. It is like you'd think that reading this book would feel like there was some justice for her. 
but it really is like the hardest stuff to read that she had to go through all of this. And I do think a lot of these details that we'll dive into about the conservatorship had been made public before. There's not a lot of like super, super new information, but just reading all of it again. From her perspective, the person we haven't heard from. Right. It's like heartbreaking. It also reads like a prisoner's perspective. Like Brittany will tell us details of like for how long she tried to get French fries and how for two years her butler, who she paid for with her own money, wouldn't give her French fries because her dad said she was fat, which, get out your drinking bingo. A father has called his daughter fat. That is so common in these memoirs. It is a box on our bingo. Another thing you can check off is psychic moments because Brittany is like, I'm very empathetic. If people in Nebraska are sad, I can feel it. And I said, girl, people in Nebraska are sad everyone is sad. <laughs> There's a lot of people there and people get sad. And people get sad. She was sad in every state. She's a little, she's self-aware of some of her strange behaviors though because there's one moment where she is out with a friend and they're looking at the stars and she's like thinking about that they're not alone in the world and she's wanted to tell her friend that. She's like, how weird would that sound to just be like, hey, do you think aliens exist? So she's she's self-aware of how Yeah, but also she she's is. so sheltered because she doesn't know she can tell her friend like, do you think there's... Yeah. Yeah, so, okay. As basically after the conservatorship, like as they're putting Brittany in the ambulance, her mom is like, get my laptop. I have a memoir to write. Like, I think she's like typing on top of her body, honestly. And because that memoir comes out so fucking fast. And I love that Brittany wrote about like, I went through the worst time in my life and watched my mom get a bob and it, do press. It's my one of my favorite parts of the whole. Wait, can you read the quote? <laughs> yes. Um, I have it down on. too. I know where it is. Where is it? The last thing I would do to be to cut my hair into a bob and put on a tasteful pantsuit and sit down on a morning show set across from Meredith fucking Vieira and make my money off my child's misfortune. Like the bob. The bob. And she's like, the bob, you dumb bitch. Like I, it was such a read. Like clearly her mom is like, that's the real wound. (laughs) But I, yeah, the fact that her mom did that is disgusting. Yeah, She said- I remain shocked that the state of California would let a man like my father, an alcoholic, someone who declared bankruptcy, who'd failed in business, who terrified me as a little girl, control me and all my accomplishments and everything I'd done. He sits down in her house. He looks at her and he says, I'm Britney Spears now. Which a real like I'm the captain now moment. I'm Britney Spears now. I mean, this, as I was reading this, I'm like, this is such a good movie. Like maybe made for TV at this point, but like, it's such a great narrative, like, even though it's sick and set, like that line, I bet he literally said that. It was really giving me mommy dearest, like epic vibes. Uh, also, I have to say, like, even though we're giving you every detail, you've seen a million social clips about this book, it is it is worth the listen. And I normally prefer reading a book. I did both. I read it and I listened through. The audiobook is incredible. Yeah. I, I, I found myself like missing it. So it's really well done. It's really, really well done. What is so interesting now is like the next 13 years of her life are this tiny little last chunk of the book. And she was led to believe if she was just good enough, she would get out of this. And it goes on for 13 years. So this is like prisoner mindset. If I'm just good enough, I'm just good enough. And, and the, and the possibility of seeing her boys is why she's putting up with it Yeah, because she would be given more time with them if she did go through all of it. If she did what the court said, which is now whatever her dad says, yep. which is don't drink coffee. Don't. Crazy. Um, get only, an IUD. Get it, yeah, get an IUD. You can't take it out. Then she talks about her agent and her friend Cade. Do you know of Cade? Of course. Okay. 
Some people don't know him, so will you give a little, like, Britney fandom yeah, who is Cade? Cade is uh, a manager of hers, or an agent. She worked with him before the conservatorship, and they've somehow, he's one of the only people that she is in contact with, because she mentions that she FaceTimes him in the book, and how a scorpion had bit him, uh, and he's a lot of the reason why this book is even happening, because she had a hard time getting it together and kept pushing it off. She didn't want anything to do with it. And he's like, you got to get this together. So he's like a very good influence on her. One of the few people who's like a good influence on her life. What do you think? However. Okay. Okay. We no, differ. he is. Everything you said is true. I mean, considering everyone who's been in her life. Everything you said is true. Okay. On top of that, he was such a presence in Britney's life as her agent that fans have made fan accounts because he would come on stage. They would see him on road trips. It's like, Cade, Cade. Also best friends with Paris Hilton. He's still an agent. And like he is, this man is besties with every client. Like I watched, um, I watched an actress make like a reel for him for his birthday. And so he's beloved. He's the only one she can talk to throughout this. And he never helps her. And he's made a public apology about this until the very end where when she's like, wait, I can have my own lawyer. And she says, I contacted my agent Cade and my social media team, heartbreaking, and asked them to get me a new lawyer. And the moment they do, Brittany gets out of the conservatorship. That means four years as her agent. I don't know if he, what was he? I don't know if he was actually her agent during this time. What's the matter? I think he was just a friend. Doesn't matter. It's true. I, I think the amount of power that her dad had on everybody, like it was almost this, like a hairdresser had said, oh yeah, did you know this and that happened? That hairdresser, because he gave her information that he, he didn't want her to have, she was done and they brought in a new one. Like no one could yeah. get close to her. So I think he knew, my my guess is he knew the only way to keep in contact with Britney is by not doing those things. Because Britney isn't someone who's gonna be, like she could fuck it up. Like he could be like, hey, you actually can get your own lawyer and she does it and fucks it up. Now Cade's out of the picture. Now she's behind even. Yeah. Like, and, and I do think like Brittany had behavior that was really different than her previous behavior. And I think a lot of people thought maybe this is good for her, including Jason Tradwick, who is a man she falls in love with because what? He said, are you okay? And no one had asked her if she was okay. So she dated him for three years. He became her co-conservator. So fun for him. And he has since gone on to do press saying she did need a conservatorship because to keep her away from bad influences. And it's like, uh, okay, well, Kanye's meeting with Trump in the White House. <laughs> so like- well, Seriously. Uh, even if you're like, Sam Lufty's bad for her, like, like come, come on. <laughs> like, seriously. And so she even says she went on a talk show in 2016. It was a British talk show by a guy who's very famous and I've already forgotten his name. And she says, I'm in a conservatorship. I'm in a conservatorship. I'm in a conservatorship. And they make sure it's all cut out of the show. No one is coming through to help her. Her dad is like, you're very fat. Her mom gets back together. With the dad. With the dad. And they watch Criminal, Criminal Minds. Minds. <laughs> and Britney's like, who does that in the book? Which is so funny. Because it's, it's like, like, it's just a show they it watch. It's pretty popular. Like, like, clearly she hates her parents. But also, they're in her house. She is forced to go to bed at 8 p.m. She can only watch TV from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. While her mom gets back together with her abusive fucking father who owns her life, who walks around in documentary footage, pardon my language, in a wife beater, but I'm going to use it for him because he's what? A yeah, wife beater. And he's like in tank tops being like, Brittany, go lose weight. Like, and Brittany's like, my mom found it attractive that he had a job. Meanwhile, his job was controlling me. Yeah. My mom loves that he had a job again. <gasps> Disgusting. Also, mm -hmm. 
She was free of him for eight years and was like, you know what I want back? That man. That man. That stinky man. You that, know, he probably smells so bad. That man doesn't like, smell Like, think good. about it. Yeah. No, every picture I've seen of him, I'm like, his skin is rotting off his body. Like, From the evil inside. Like, <laughs> and the french fries he's eating in front of his daughter. Yeah, give her a fry. Like, come on. Now we just have to say, there is a thing, there, the arc of the energy supplements. The <sighs> energy supplements have their own arc, beginning, middle, and end. <laughs> What are they, Rob? They're oh, we, well. Here's what we know: they're over the counter. They're they're not a drug. Brittany got on them because someone she dated was into fitness. She loved them. They helped her have more energy in her show. But her dad would use them to send her to literal rehab. He thought she was addicted. Well, he probably didn't think this, but he used it against her and said she was addicted to supplements. But somehow, whatever those are, that was able to be used. In court somehow, maybe that's crazy. However, then later she's like, my dad knew I was on the energy supplements because they helped me in my shows and he was fine with it until he wasn't. This is what I need to know. Emergency, liquid IV, caffeine pills. What are what are we talking about? What are we talking about? She was saying she was on Adderall. So I don't even think it was the Adderall. Because then she could say Adderall. Yeah, it was, I honestly, it was probably like caffeine pills. Like Jesse Spano. Jesse Spano. I'm so excited. I'm so yeah, ex- yeah, like that was a, a moment that she had, I think. I just. They were using anything and everything against her, but it is crazy how much he, control he had over the courts and, and, and like doctors. Like, how did he have so much control? Yeah, because it, because those things are, conservatorships are built for mentally incapacitated people who cannot feed themselves. And yet she was sent out on the road into Vegas for years and years and years. And obviously she's given nothing in her life. So she clings to these energy supplements. She tries to change her show up and have a good show. They always say no to her. So she's just literally a robot sent out to repeat the same songs over and over again on her Vegas tour. Then Jamie Lynn Spears does a mashup of Britney's songs. The infamous mashup. I am not being rude. She can't sing. That's, that's science. How are they putting her up on that stage doing her sister's song. She, she did try and have a music career. She doesn't have songs. Why would they do this? Lynn did it. Lynn loved putting, it was almost like she was like rubbing it into Britney when Jamie Lynn would get opportunities. Lynn was doing it, I think. You, I, I think I Lynn totally set believe that it. up. I totally believe it. I, it is, and Britney loses it where she's like, you haven't allowed me to even change the shows. I am forced to perform and put a new song in. But my sister gets to do a remix. And I don't even know if we're at this point or if you had planned on reading this quote where they did give her one little like nugget of something. What was it? She said when she was in Vegas and they wouldn't give her like a remix or anything. She said, when I pushed the best they could offer me, they said was to play one of my new songs in the background while I was changing. They acted like they were doing me a huge favor by playing my favorite new song while I was underground, frantically taking costumes on and off. So she's like, please, can we add new songs or change them in in the show? They go, no, but your new song that just came out, we'll play it for you while you're changing in in backstage. These fucking monsters. Sick. Like, I, I don't know how she survived it. And she keeps saying, like, why did I go along with it? Why did I go along with it? And that, yes, there's lots of reasons, her kids, blah, blah. It's pure trauma. They have... They are drugging her against her will. They are brainwashing her. They are closing her off from the outside world. And when you have been that heavily damaged, like your brain is so malleable. Think of how people give false confessions after like eight hours of being interrogated. She's been living with that 
And her reality is their reality. She doesn't, she barely knows she can like do something to get herself free. And She even mentions in the beginning of the book when her brother Brian gets in an accident that she blacks out during it and doesn't remember the details because like trauma, she just blacks out. And I think that's foreshadowing what's happening here. Absolutely. And two things happen. She just doesn't want to do a second Vegas show. Like, which again, she's been there for three years. She doesn't want to do three more. She just wants to take her kids to Maui and they didn't let her. They made her do Vegas and then tour for the summer. And so her dad wants her to announce the second Vegas show. And this is a really key moment because she paints the scene. Mario Lopez is there. The lights, the lasers, the Vegas strip, the people, the blah. And she rises up from like, you know, the, I don't know, wherever she was hiding. She the like rises up from the risers to the other riser. <laughs> and is like smoke is billowing around her and she just doesn't announce anything because she's refusing to do the show and she walks off. And I think that's a moment when her fans could be like, something's wrong. Yeah. Then her dad is like, you're addicted to energy supplements. You should go to AA. You know how I'm an alcoholic? You should go to AA though. And oddly enough, it's the only place where she has connection with other people and she gets to hear other women talk and be strong. So because she's in... AA four times a week and learning from all these strong women. And she says she meets Reese Witherspoon once and Reese Witherspoon changes her life because she is stands up for herself, but is also nice. And Brittany never knew how to do both. How unreal is that? It's great. I think that made her be like, I can do this. I can be nice, but I can also stand up for myself, which like fucking bless her heart that she was holding on to being nice. Brittany gives a lot of credit to God and praying throughout the book. I yeah. think that she thinks that's, which is good, whatever makes her get through it. But I think it's maybe these interactions she's had and people that she looks up to that actually were her God. And that yes. she just isn't saying that. Interesting. I like that thought. So her dad, because she won't go perform in Vegas, says you have to go to rehab. You're addicted to the energy supplements again. And she's like, that they're literally over the counter. And she says, what if I don't go? My father said if I didn't go, then I'd have to go to court and I'd be embarrassed again. Yeah, she hates being embarrassed. Which again, and like, he's using it against and her. And he's using it against her. And so she goes to a mental facility for months. These, This is when her <sighs> fans are like, where is she? And they're all the rumors of like, is someone else in control of her Instagram? We're true. Like she really was sent away. She really was locked up. And one day the woman at the, a nurse at the facility is like, come look at this. And she shows her the free Britney stuff online. Now, wait, before we get into it, yeah. the mental facility sounds like actual, like unwell people. Like it sounds like she's in American Horror Story, the second season where they're in the ward. Yes. She like all the characters she's bringing up. She's like, she had, this one would just hear voices and she's like, would say to me, stop screaming, but I wasn't screaming. She just heard voices. I'm like, they literally put her in, You're right. for the lack of a better term, You're like right. a loony bin. Like, like it wasn't a Malibu rehab. No, it was like really, people who really needed help. And they put her in that. Isn't that wild? It's anyway. unbelievable, <sighs> especially because it's like, she can perform a three hour show, but you have to like lock her up in a hospital. By the way, she's with Hassem, which is Sam, her oh, husband, yeah. he's, they're, they're together. And she met him. There's, this is the other rumor okay. from, from the dark web, um, that he was a plant from her father. They put him in one of her music videos. That's where she met him. He, do you she, think there's many, any validity to that? Yeah, I do. You do. Okay. I think why, that was too why much of a conspiracy. Why didn't, I, I agree, but I've, I'm, I've lost it. I'll do anything for Brittany at this point. Yeah. Uh, why didn't he do more to help her? Why is she locked away for months and months? I think it has a lot to do with like what's happening with Cade is that if you were to in any way disrupt 
his Jamie's plans, her father's plans, you were out of her life. And just to be in her life, you had to just kind of go along with what was happening. I agree, but then listen to this. She gets out of the program, which was hell, and she didn't know how she got through it. And she said, then we went into quarantine. And because of the rules of quarantine and Hassem's shooting schedule, I never saw him. I said, that's actually not how shooting schedules work. Or quarantine. Like, what was he shooting, girl? Like, like, please, what is is his career? Rob, he was shooting the television show that my husband was on and wrote for. No. This is real. Wait. He was shooting. As like a regular or like a. He was shooting Black Monday, which if anyone is like, what are you talking about? It's a show with Regina Hall and Don Cheadle on Showtime. Wait, was he on one episode? I think What's the shooting schedule? She couldn't see him for months. It's impossible because my husband did it and he came home. <laughs> and he was like a writer on the show. Yes. And trust. Every day I was like, you get in there and you mine him for information. You, you And did he get any? No, because he wouldn't give any. But that is the show he was doing. That so, is, so when she's like, his shooting schedule, I'm like, so what? Did he even do commercial? Did he ever do no, anything else? No, like, what are you no. talking about? He was her boyfriend. That was his thing. <sighs> so this is when I'm saying like, yes, but also... Why wasn't he doing more? I don't know. And also you had mentioned the Free Britney thing. It was really cool to read in the book. It was amazing. That is the reason why she ended up getting out was because all the doctors saw that and they were like, oh, she's not unwell. But it's like, haven't you seen her in, in the hospital? Just like, like listening to everyone else's stories and she's normal. Like not normal, but you know. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that she can take care of herself. Yeah. It, it is such a, I remember the first time I saw the fan who put together this post being like, something's wrong. She's been in a conservatorship. She's being locked away. And like, you know, the leave her alone fans. And like, it it is the fans who like keep artists alive. Like I'm just, I, I, this is so silly, but I I just feel so grateful that someone was watching because it was so easy to be like, what happened to Brittany? And her content was so bizarre. I was also thinking the same thing, but it took a lot because people called them crazy too for saying that she was locked up somewhere. Of course. And, And I mean, there were so many like, accounts and and creators and comedians and podcasts who were like Britney's crazy look at her Instagram she's fucking crazy and and no one was like something's fucking wrong until it, it we were 13 years in and I think that also just goes to show like how we treat women we're like what the fuck happened to her versus like uh well she's being drugged with lithium by her daddy yeah like just like, like her grandmother who killed herself you know like uh, unbelievable and so when she gets out of the hospital she says her family wants to come visit and they just all come into her house but now she knows like she's seen the free britney movement and she's like i don't trust this didn't she make an instagram post being like no i wasn't locked away i was fine you guys and it's like but we now know she wasn't so who was posting that was it britney trying to appease her family as she made a plan like i don't know she was still in a conservatorship so she didn't really have control over those those sorts of things i mean un just unbelievable so then something incredible happens. I was, I cried as I wrote this because I like, Ooh, I'm like, I'm like emotional. I like, I, cause, because this was always possible. This was possible for 13 years. She said on the night of June 22nd, 2021 from my home in California, I called 911 to report my father for conservatorship abuse. Could anyone have called 911 all these years and, and helped? I don't know. Then she talks about the documentaries and like I've seen online that the documentaries really upset her because I think she feels embarrassed. Yeah. And I want to say, but these documentaries, like even even the worst ones that were getting a buck off it helped 
get this information out there. They did more than it, it was those people started a fire that were like free Britney. It was the documentaries that really put it into perspective how wrong it was where she was. And yeah, I think over time she'll forgive Felicia and some people who talked in this. They couldn't even get a hold of her. Her dad told Felicia that Britney wanted nothing to do with her. So what was yeah. Felicia supposed to do? Yeah, and she was lied to her that she was told she couldn't have her own lawyer the whole time. And S- Sam Ingham, who I believe was her court appointed lawyer said to the courts that she didn't have the capacity to sign her own name. I remember (gasps) reading that before we knew what was really happening. And I went, what's happened to Brittany? She must be really unwell and just like a vegetable if she can't sign her own name. He said she was not at the capacity to even read things. And that's why when she gave her statement eventually, which she talks about in the book, we were just shocked that she was lucid, you know? That is so, it's just horrific to hear it back. And- we were all cheering on that judge, being like, the judge has heard her and like removed her Brenda father. Penny. Wasn't she was, that the judge the whole time? It wasn't the judge the whole time. There was a worse one at the beginning who put her in the conservatorship. And when Brittany said, I want to have my own lawyer, that judge said no. And that's another woman, and I can't remember her name. Brenda Penny was not much better. She just continued the system and wasn't looking into it and going, what am I actually approving here? Like, is she okay? I don't hear from her at all. And then eventually released her. But think of the public pressure. Like, Brenda Penny wasn't like, oh, my God, she did it. It's like, you're part of the problem, There too. were literal protests outside the courthouse. Like, what was she going to do? Like, hello. Yeah, absolutely. You had and to release her. Then she finally calls and gets her own lawyer. The lawyer immediately is like, give your own testimony and you will free yourself. And I, I really. Cade gets her the lawyer. Cade, yeah. Yeah. And her social media team. They're, they're also credited in the same sentence. So I just want to say, whatever intern was running that account, they knew how to Google and lawyer. They, yeah, yeah. So, because no one, that's how low the bar was. The lawyer said this. He said that by giving my testimony, I'd freed myself and probably also helped other people in unfair conservatorships. After having my father take credit for everything I did for so long, it meant everything to have this man tell me that I'd made the difference in my own life. And finally now, it was my own life. And then she gives this, incredible quote on her Instagram. I lived with victims my whole life as a child. That's her mom and her fucking dad. That's why I got out of my house and worked for 20 years and worked my ass off. Hopefully my story will make an impact on some of the changes in this corrupt system because her family is leeches. And she's like, I made peace with my family, which is that I made peace with, I never wanted to see them again. I said, thank God. I'm a little afraid when she posts on Instagram, like I saw my mom and you're like, no, no, do not no. She gives them at the end, especially her sister. She she goes, I understand where she's coming from, and she almost says like like almost like one day we'll like see eye to eye on all of this. I think she's giving out hope for it. So I think it's for her sister. I think there's, I think they will come together in some way. But we know it's because of money. Like yeah. Brittany's going to start making more money, and these people are going to come back in her lives and. She even says that she's such a strong woman and she's so hardened that nothing could ever terrify her, but she wishes that she wasn't like that because of what she had to go through to get there was not worth it. Absolutely. That gave me the chills reading that because she's like, I can do anything, but not for a good reason. Also, you know, she got free of her conservatorship. Jamie Lynn did what? Write a dog shit book. Then, what is she doing right now? What is she doing right now? She's doing a cha-cha merengue on Dancing with the Stars. (laughs) A horrible one. A horrible one. And she's she getting got scores off. of five and six, and she's shocked by it. She's like, why am I not getting tens? Like, babe, like, take a look around. Your sister's one of the best dancers in the world. You didn't make it to to the second salsa? <laughs> like, and the, way that, and the way that Lynn is like, 
always pushing out Jamie Lynn stuff and being like, I'm so proud of my girl. It's like, hello, what about the breadwinner that you put into you know, basically prison. jail? Yeah. So then Brittany said a big part of people getting on my side was understanding that I'm a human. And I did that through Instagram. And she said, I know that a lot of people don't understand why I love taking pictures of myself naked or in new dresses. But I think if they'd been photographed by other people thousands of times, prodded and posed for other people's approval, they'd understand that I get a lot of joy from posing the way I feel sexy and taking my own damn picture, doing whatever I want with it. And she says like, yeah, I'm a weirdo. I'm weird. And it's like, yeah, you, we forced her to be this idea of normalcy in the early aughts, blonde, virgin, sweet, nice, sexy. It's okay. It's not okay. All these things. And, and then put her in prison for 13 years by her childhood abuser, her father, then got her out of it. This is what it looks like. Okay. This, this is, is what actually you, a really good version. She's still very funny. It, it's like, hello, the way that she has survived through this and writing a book like this and how aware she is it is a gift like she says throughout the entire book she goes it sounds crazy but it sounded like they were felt like they were trying to kill me like my family was trying to kill me because they killed her grandmother and in the same way like and so she really all that trauma she's pretty good like yeah like like, hello let her click a like and give a nice comment keep it fucking moving yeah like I can, well, I can you give and you I, 10 crazier Instagram accounts right now. Is, it's so obvious. Like you and I see her posting these things where you're like, oh good, she's living. But then people just don't see that. They she's don't... journaling. The, the, the captions are all over the place because she's, because of what you just heard her live through. Like, And they're not even that all over the place. They're just a couple emojis and she's keeping it positive. And she even <laughs> says, she's like, the media has always been terrible to me, but they're still terrible. Yes. She's like, even now knowing what they've been through, they're still terrible they're to still me. They're still horrible. She writes, now that she's free, she says, freedom means being goofy, silly, and having fun on social media. She also doesn't like, she doesn't like being on TV. Earlier in the book, it was incredible. She said, I went to a TV show and realized how easy TV is. And as someone who works in TV, I burst out laughing. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> she also said, she's like, touring's hard. TV's easy. Like, this is crazy. I could have been doing this. She's also like, give me a cameo in a movie. Don't put me in an X Factor set where I have to look at people and judge them for eight hours and like look disapprovingly. And I'm like, that's so true. They yeah. just have to just judge people for eight hours. Yeah. It's not for her. But like the world ruined her like yeah she wants to stay at home and post on social media for her social interactions anyways she says freedom means taking a break from instagram without people calling 911 which by the way you guys don't call 911 on britney because you didn't when she needed it she had to call it for herself these people who do these sorts of things don't care about her they they're actually like bullying her in another way yeah no absolutely and she ends the book saying I've made music, I've traveled all over the world, become a mother, found love, and lost it and found it again. It's been a while since I felt truly present in my own life, in my own power, in my own womanhood, but I'm here now. And that's the end. And then her thank yous, you know, if you follow me on Instagram, you thought this book was going to be written in emojis, didn't you? And she she thanks Cade Hudson. Someone on the Patreon listened to the audiobook and they said, why is she thinking Kate Hudson? I was like, it's not her, not her. And I wouldn't mind it though. I wouldn't mind it. Sure, throw her in. And really my only note on the book is that obviously there's no photo section, which I would take a whole photo section of selfies if she wanted. And the same picture of hers in the back of the book as is the front of the book. And I said, book publishers, we can do, this is Brittany. I'm I saying agree. this is on y'all. No, I'm with, I'm with you. Okay, so every podcast ends with something I call the book dill test, which is my joke on the Bechdel test. First question, was the author vulnerable in the sharing of their truth? I would say yes. Uh, beyond. Yes. Second question, was it entertaining to read? Yes. 
this was in- wait I love that you do this <laughs> yeah every time <laughs> um yes it was so entertaining and even though there's tons missing I don't care there was enough there was more than enough it was in her own voice which was incredible and it was phenomenally written because even knowing the stuff that was missing I was craving the audiobook like it has hooks in it, it has scene building has outfits she was wearing has the price of a of a dress in one point and I'm yeah, like a, a $129 BB dress these are the, the details she I broke need. a heel in New York at the fourth story and walked home yeah that's what I need in the book and it and it delivered Final question, did reading this book elevate your life in any way? Oh, yes. I have always loved Brittany. Like, uh, when she was going through her phase, I, I did also go, like, is she brain dead? But um, I've always loved her, and I've never loved her more than reading this. Like, I'm so proud of her, and I she can do anything she wants or nothing she wants, and I want everyone else to feel that way, too. But I think because of this book, people are just going to give her a break. Yeah, and that whole, like, I'm worried for her, and it's like— You're not. You- yeah be careful with like how you support her and like give her your support because she wants it and she deserves it and she's earned it um and so yes I will also say absolutely this elevated my life not only in just hearing someone own their story and walk back through those horrors to tell this trauma again your mind has to be so strong to do this and and I can't believe she did it and so soon yeah and but on top of that the way it elevated my life is that reframing what life was like for her in those years when I was learning the perfect woman to be was Britney Spears like unthreads a hundred years of cultural learning in my own body wow (laughs) that that is no that's that's like it's so true because like it's like we we that was truth to us and it It was so not the truth and it was never the truth and think how yeah and it formed our personalities you know? Yeah. So yes, I thank you, thank you, thank you to Brittany and thank you to Rob for being my guest and dressing up, doing this in person. So you can see the full video of this episode on Patreon. You don't have to sign up or pay. You just like go to the Patreon. Maybe you do. You'll probably have to like put in an email, but then the video's up. We won't charge you anything. And um, you can find us on socials. I'm at Chelsea Devantes. We're going to post all the clips that I talked about in photos uh, on the Patreon and on my Instagram. And Rob, where can everyone find you and follow you? On Instagram, I am Heartthrob Anderson. And on TikTok, I am Heartthrobert. And thank you for having me. This okay. was like the most fun. Rob, thank you so much for being here. I love you. I treasure you. And Brittany forever. Uh, 911. Hello? We need to do a wellness check. <laughs> Let's go spin for hours. That was the surprise. Man. That's all for this week's episode. If you have something to say, you want to talk back to this episode, or you have a question, or maybe you think you have a difference of opinion, join the book club. The book club is on Patreon. We have a chat, and there are so many cookies in the chat. We talk about the episodes. We talk about book recommendations. We just talk about our lives. We break things down. It's super fun. It's on Patreon. You can join for as little as $1 or $5 a month, and then just download the mobile app, and you can chat all day long with us. Also, if you join Patreon, all the episodes are ad-free. So we started running ads. If you don't like that, join our Patreon. We send you a podcast feed with ad-free episodes and everyone comes to your phone. You would also get all of the bonus episodes and there are so many great bonus episodes. You get all of that when you join our Patreon. And if you're a super hardcore cookie, we have a live book club on Zoom once a month. It's on Sundays. It's so fun. Sometimes we dress up, we chat about the episodes. No reading is required. If you want to read along, it's so fun, but also most people just listen to the episode and then we chat and hang out and check in. And a lot of really deep friendships have formed. It's the best. 
A big thank you to our podcast producer, Kate Downey, our executive producer, Jordan Moncada, our sound engineer, Marcus Hom, and our amazing assistant, Jaron Padre. I also want to thank our friends over at Pattern Brands. They are our product partner, and they keep me and my guests just rolling in the cutest tiny spoons and candles and so many other cool things and paquetto. I genuinely love our product partners. I love them so much, so go check them out. Everything is linked in the show notes, and if you have questions, go to the Patreon chat lounge, and I'll see you there.